Mark, John yet? Mark, what are you drinking? I have not got my drinks yet. I'm going to drink some Truly. What do you got? Uh, oh, you got the um, White Claw. Also good. Yeah, I got raspberry and cherry. Black cherry. The White doesn't Claw. Taste, doesn't taste at all like cough syrup. What do you got? Oh my gosh, that's my wife's favorite beer. How, how, I didn't, I just saw how chat. What does it say? Choufle. Oblon Chouf. Chouf. It's a French beer? No, it's Belgian. Belgian? I don't, I don't deal with French. I drink freedom beers. Although what's funny is that when we were in Paris. Oh, I get it. I can't remember. What was the controversy? I can't. I don't even. Freedom fries. France wouldn't like blow up some Middle East country. So they started calling it freedom fries and freedom toast. And and the funny thing is, is like all the French were like, but that's back. That's it's not French toast. Anyways, (laughs) like you guys named it that please don't call it French toast. But what's funny is we had French toast this morning. Synergy. I need synergy. Skiddly doo bop. Yeah. Gonna unlock. So I'm on my headphones here. I got I got the news done. I know you were freaking out, Adam. I got it. I was not freaking out. Uh, you were. I, I did find I did find one article. Not even Sorry. close. Not even close. No, completely. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Me. I like to tell myself that I'm that important to you. Now you're taking that away from me. Okay. Uh, we're gonna call. We're gonna call him up right now just to do a test. Uh, Am I always wearing a Minneapolis related shirt? Look at what I'm wearing today, dude. Hey, I'm wearing scrubs. Lone Star (laughs) Steve. These are the same scrubs that I just cut somebody open in like four hours ago. Show us the blood. I think it's on my leg. Hold on. Hang hang on. There's some. See? Uh, Everybody, call me your britches. There he is right here. His name is XD underscore one, if you ever want. There's blood here. Here it goes. Oh my God. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna pop on and be like, "What the hell are you showing me?" Look at my pants. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Hey, the pants are still on. Okay. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Wait, we're calling him live right now. That's fine. Oh wait, did I hear somebody? That's me. We found him. Hey, look at that! I. Hey, do you have a camera on that thing or what? I do. Turn it on. Is it Let's. Not well, we not see yet. it says E. Unless you are a white uh, circle with an E X on it. Ooh, yeah. I am. <laughs> wow. That's exactly what I am. You're amazing. <laughs> what is happening? I want to be just like you. Actually, I kind of do. Don't don't tell anybody. Z- uh, Zabo's selling Zabo's selling Legend of Zelda kits. Ooh. Oh, for artwork? There we go. No, that's cool. I, I can dig that. You are like super short. Can you adjust your camera to aim at your face? Yeah, hold on one second. Cool. That, oh, yeah, you look way better. Why is the sun up in your area of the world? We don't get sun up here. It's oh, winter. Son of a bitch. I love that oh. marquee. What is that? Is that Sonic? What is that up there? That right there? Yeah. It's a Sega Saturn kiosk. That's very cool. So, a quick question for you. You're not mobile. That's a computer you're on, right? You're, that's right. Ugh. Damn. Well, we're not going to get a tour tonight, but you gotta, you'll got to be descriptive, I'm sure. Uh, the problem with the tour, too, is that my basement, um, I have almost no salt coverage. I mean, no coverage down there at all. So oh, basically, yeah. little Faraday cage going on. So uh, I'm sure we could talk about this on the air, too, but your day job is running one up now, I suppose. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like this, man. Um, I, I'm in charge of all the games. 
So basically, my day job is uh, servicing arcade machines and, you know, buying them and selling them and trading them and that kind of stuff. That's fucking awesome, though. I mean, it's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, I didn't say fantastic, Brian. I said fuck. Whoa, what is all that clickety-clackety? I don't like that. I have a, uh, I have a uh, keyboard called Das Boot. Yeah, it's das, called das keyboard. Das Annoying. It, it has, uh, it's fully mechanical. It is not silent, and there are no characters on any of the buttons. I don't know what just happened, but Brian like caused my ears to bleed, and then he stopped moving. Did you see that? I'm still waiting for your reaction to my keyboard. There he is. He's back. All right. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I really hate your keyboard right now. Wah. It's the the, same keyboard. By the way, Mark, you're not coming through on your mic. Oh, hold on. That might be why I'm hearing it so much. Coming through on your computer. See, this is why we do a test before we start. It's a good idea. (laughs) Notice with the uh, up-down bars out this way, they can't seem to do it wrong. I mean, they open up a bar and it's they're paying their build-outs in a ridiculous amount of time. The up-down bars are at are in the Kansas City area. Where are they? So uh, they've got one in. Um, they're opening up one in Nashville right now. There's one in Des Moines, one in Milwaukee, one in St. Louis, one in Minneapolis. Um, they started in Iowa, though, didn't they? Yeah, but we do we do a lot of their repairs at, at the shop. So, so instead of uh, traveling to like their techs are terrible. I won't say that online, but uh, <laughs> so. so <laughs> so what they do is they bring a lot of their games to our shop, and then we have a storage space that we share with them. I was going right. to say, aren't you so their techs? We just cycle through games. They show up with a rider truck every now and then, pick up like 30 games we fixed for them, and take them on down the road. Yeah, it's interesting, man, because a lot of people take the technicians for granted, really, but the games have to be running right. You know, one of the things that they did, um, so early on, they didn't quite get the whole 95% thing. And they started to get some pushback and they really latched on to two things that I think have served them well. One is uh, they do keep 95% of the games working. And the other thing is, is they stick with all CRT. They've gotten rid of all their LCDs. And um, I think they've earned a lot of respect on top of the fact that they're just a fun bar. Yeah. With, you know, uh, we have a mixture of both, to be honest with you. We're mostly CRT, but I have sprinkled a few LCDs in and mostly because we're having a hard time finding tubes, to be honest with you. Or, you should. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, a lot of our tubes, what they're doing is, like, for example, the K7019s and stuff like that, they start getting really dim or losing colors and stuff like that. And then a lot of the 25-inch medium res, they're just a nightmare, really. See, we had a lot of, um, there are a lot of gambling machines out this way. So if you don't mind a little bit of burn, you can pick up K7000s in kind of decent quantity if you find one of these uh, route operators. I've got probably about 150, 200 tubes stashed right now. Wow. So then then the other thing is out here, we still have a lot of CRTs. And so you can, it's not as much anymore. I was looking on uh, Craigslist recently, but you up until about six months ago, a year ago, you could find a 19-inch CRT on Craigslist pretty easy. Do a tube swap. Yeah, with 19s, we're pretty okay. I, I guess what it really is, it's more like the 25s that we're having. The 25, especially the medium res tubes. Those right. are. I got I to gotta tell you guys, we're going to go live here soon. So um, 
gonna have to truncate your conversation till after the okay. Unless we talk about it on the show, which is fine. Too. Well, this can be the banter. We're it can be, be the banter, but dude, I don't want to talk about monitors for the next ten minutes. <laughs> so love you, but no. I mean, love you. I really love you in that way. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start to show up just to make sure that things are working. Can uh, you guys double check that we're in the in the chat? Um, we're streaming. I see a little. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Oh, I got a live now. Discovery Houston, recommend a vector transfer to the BFS. Discovery Roger, no problem. Very nice. I see us, so that's good, right? Usually. Yeah, we're just waiting for everything to crash now. Can you guys hear it? I I haven't checked to see. It doesn't matter. Mr. Peabody and Tilly's Arcade. Do I don't think I've seen those guys in the chat before. Have I? Welcome to the chat. We'll just give people a couple more minutes. Right? What happened to Brian? <laughs> he turned into a dot. There's a big S on the screen for sucks. All right. Let's what if Mr. Peabody and Tilly are just telling back. us that it's working? Oh, I don't think I've seen that kiosk behind you before. No. That's pretty cool. Sega. It's what is that? Like a it's not like a Dreamcast. What is that? It's a Sega Saturn. Oh, it's a Saturn. I love this Saturn. It's playing uh Tempest 2000. Oh yeah. Uh, Tempest X on the PSX, right? Sort of. And uh, actually, wasn't that game introduced on the Jaguar? It was. Yeah. Which uh, is a pretty, pretty cool system for the last Atari system, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, it's super collectible now, but I could tell you that nobody gave a crap about it for a long time. Yeah, no. And it was too expensive. I think that was. Yeah. Was it? Isn't that how most of the stuff works? Nobody would give a crap about it up front. And then everybody got rid of theirs. And then now it becomes rare and valuable and. I guess I would agree with that to a degree. Uh, if you look at the NES, though, I mean, that system launched very strong and is still highly collectible. To That's true. There are very few systems like that, though. Like the PlayStation 1 launched very strong, what, in 95? Uh, I think it's kind of having a little resurgence right now. But, you know, they, they made it backward compatible on the PS2 and PS3. So if you have any of those discs, you can still play them. Brian Frober, what's up, yo? Frober. Froba. I suppose that's German. My name is Brian Froba. The goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's good. We, You know, we have a, actually a bunch of people in the chat right now. I said, let's get this thing rolling. Well, we, we had a call from a man who's in Lakeland whose video game hobby found him on the wrong side of the law. News Channel 8's Lance Williams has the exclusive details. Live from KOIR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. Hello, Ha, ha, ha. 
Stimulate opponent. Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, March 7th, 2019, and the time is now approximately 7.20 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam Alam. What? Adam Alam, a ding-dong? Really? Okay, I like it. I like it. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. Worst pun writer ever, Shields and ParadiseArcadeShop.com, and part-time knight of the round table, Brian Bloody Scrubs the Third. And tonight, we bring you one of the most trusted names in the arcade hobby and beyond. It's Mr. John Exidy, Jamshit himself. Welcome to the show! Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to have you on. The first part of the show, we do this little thing we like to call, uh, you know, what you've been working on. And I think we're going to have... Oh, I don't know. Well, let's have Brian pick it. Whoa, oh, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God, it's so loud. Someone stepped on the board. I'm sorry about that. Brian, what are you working on? And now we have to hear it again. <laughs> now we have to hear it again because it's coming through. So, <laughs> yes. Did we lose Brian? No, we're waiting. Uh, no, we didn't. So, I've been working on a Donkey Kong Jr. that I showed off actually today. We had um, a switcher that we'd put into it and put four boards in it. We showed up with three boards. We had to kind of swap the harnesses out. So we grabbed one of the Vector Lab switchers, threw the fourth board in there, and we can now play, uh, I mean, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 2, Remixed, Deranged, uh, DK Jr., DK Jr. Remixed, and DK3 all in one cabinet. Had some fun with that, and I finally put my uh, Tron back together using the uh, Phoenix Arcade uh, plastics and a control panel overlay. And man, the fluorescent inks are absolutely stunning. Mark I mean, can attest to those gorgeous. because those are in his machine as well. Yes. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, actually I've mentioned this a million times on the show, but that Mark's machine is the one that's featured on the Phoenix Arcade uh, website for those plastics. And, and uh, they look beautiful. They look, just look, beautiful they make me want to cry <laughs> i'm crying right mark now. what are you working on hello mark shields uh time machine rental.com uh let's see i finished my marble madness restore um I, the last you know there was no background when i was running the game and so i just removed all the chips and cleaned them out with some deoxid and pl- put it all back together play marble madness break it up we do that you can like, you know, playing the game. Sorry, did you did you say something? Yeah, we've lost you. Yeah, we heard about like about that much. Oh man, I know that, that sucks. Maybe I should just record this and then <laughs> play it. So you said you got uh, you were talking about uh, Marble uh, Madness. Marble Madness. We got that right. part, and then something about a Warlord's PCB. Yeah, right. So Tilly's Arcade yeah. on Instagram, aka Ryan Tilden. Do you, you know him? Yeah, yeah, they helped me snag a Warlord's PCB, uh, so I'm giving them a shout-out. Nice. Uh, I got a coin mech. Dude, you should be, like, getting close to getting that done. We lost He's him. frozen. Oh. <laughs> He's frozen, like uh, like the state of Minnesota. Well, how about I jump in and just talk about what I've been working on, because it's very short. Uh, yeah. So, what I've been working on is mostly the, the website in that, or not the website, but the show itself. So uh, we had a big change over the week and I started publishing new episodes again on, uh, on our, uh, anchor FM, which we used to be with sound club where you're switching over to anchor FM and it's anchor.fm slash arcade radio. 
Um, and we are all propagated, ready to go on Google Play. So if you're a subscriber there, great. And if you're on iTunes, don't worry about it because it's already going there. Um, we did rename a bunch of episodes. We've dropped uh, all the nonsense at the beginning of the episode. So you just get the arcade, you know, whatever the name of the episode is and who's starring in it, which is great. Um, so that's kind of fun. And Anchor FM supports tagging with seasons and episodes. So it should be easier for us to keep things organized on our end. We will still talk about our episodes in seasons and not in episodes because that's how we roll. But uh, I've been very happy with uh, the support I've gotten from Anchor.fm. The quality is great so far, and I'm super excited about it. So uh, have a have a look. See, I also renamed a few episodes, uh, some new uh, descriptions for the episodes. If you go back, you might uh, decide that they're more interesting than when we first wrote about them. Um, and shut up! What? What? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm not. It's, I just I know I said what I wanted, you're talking about. <laughs> Everything's an affront to everybody. I'm not, I'm not trying to bust anybody's chops. Uh, some of the stuff I wrote, rewrote was for my balls. my own um, my own edification. Because, like for instance, Cat Despira, right? She uh, she's self proclaimed retro bitch has her little you know uh, blog and everything, which is fun. Uh, but uh, the episode was named temporarily Love Potion Number Nine because it was episode nine of season two, I believe. And and uh, well, I, it just seemed a little amorous and, and not really fitting for her, so I changed it. And now the name of the episode is uh, Retro Bitch and Camaro, which I think is a lot more appropriate. So. Anyway, uh, just working on show stuff, uh, clips, uh, line and exit up to be on the show. So uh, thanks for coming out of the show. Uh, John, what have you been working on? Tell us. Uh, as a project? Yeah, uh, like in the Arcade Hobbit, you know, it's like it's your life. So, you know, and we, we don't, we're going to ask you about all this stuff later in the show. So if you have like a summary of something that's cool that you've been working on in the last, you know, week that you want to talk about, it's like a couple minutes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I recently started working on a Cubert's Cubes, actually. Oh, cool. uh, the cabinet that I had was uh, pretty rough. Uh, there's a local guy here. His name's Eric. He does excellent like cabinet work. So I dropped off the game over at his place, actually, and I let him do the restoration of the cabinet. And then I recently just wired it and got it going. And uh, that was a good six months, you know, uh, that whole process. But cool. it, it really paid off. Awesome. So that, um, besides that, is there anything else like personally on an arcade level you've been working on you're excited about? I'm always working on something, to be honest with you. What I do is I um, I have probably like a few hundred games that <laughs> I'm planning on restoring, right? So what happens is I'll restore Versus one. Versus my five stop. games. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just move to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. So it's just an ongoing thing, basically. Yeah, that's good. It's good. How do you oh. prioritize that? Paul's got questions. Paul, just fire him off. We'll 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 get him going. Uh, so, uh, what did you say, Mark? I was asking uh, how does John? How do you prioritize out of the hundreds? By the way, we can see you on the show, Mark. When you show your disdain for me interrupting you, uh, just so you know. <laughs> No interrupting. He's like, God, what the hell? <laughs> There's no real way that I prioritize it, by the way. Basically, like, I feel like playing something or I want to see, I want to just finish something. So I'll jump into it at that point. One of the longest projects I've had is a quantum, actually. I picked it up like in 2006, and I think I'm still working on it. 
So what I do is, you know, I think last year I put the side decals on it. <laughs> this year I might do the front and then start wiring it and stuff like that. So it just depends on, you know, what I feel like doing really when it comes to my personal collection. Very cool. Very. All right, Mark, let's try you again. You got your Warlords PCB shout out to Tilden. Purchase tokens here. You did get an awesome sign, right? <laughs> That sign is from Six Flags Astroworld. It was uh, a collector bought like 400 signs. And just for and the listeners, when they listen to this in the podcast, what does it say? Purchase tokens here. It's pretty cool. It's a giant sign. That's like three by yeah. two. It, it was above, you know, the token machine before. It's it's like part of my childhood. Aaron uh, Arcadiology uh, gave it to me, actually. Yeah. And that's where you got your pole position, right? Pole position is also from Astroworld. Yeah. Um, I actually have some friends that also have games that they discovered were from there as well. That's this park that they destroyed. So all of our childhoods are gone. <laughs> so well, yeah. that's why we're in the hobby though. Right. If yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why we're bringing all this stuff back. I, I know. Maybe, maybe I'm off base. Well, also I do it. So all the people I kidnap think it's the eighties again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, what do you say we jump into some arcade news? I'm kind of excited about this right now. Yeah, me too. It's the arcade news with Brian Armitage the <laughs> third. You're probably not. I'm surprised you guys don't keep adding numbers to that every week. I'd be up that's to like good, that's a good idea. Fifteen or actually. so by now. Oh, that's a good one. So, so uh, we got a few stories this week. Uh, first one is, uh, so Kat Despira, who's, uh, an arcade historian, who just, uh, Adam just brought her up, uh, was doing some looking into, uh, basically Pac-Man arcades and why they always have the distinct wear pattern on the outside of them. And, and she went through this description and looking at old pictures of it and looking at how during the Pac-Man mania in the eighties, you could see the players grabbing the cabinet because as they were moving the joystick, they're kind of stabilizing their bodies or holding themselves in place. And it just became a habit. And so one of the things that we talk about in restoring these cabinets and kind of going back to uh, some of the history of what was theirs, everybody's doing a lot of work to get the original paint back, get the decals back and kind of make them look good. And so one of the questions is, is are you erasing some of the history when you get rid of this kind of original wear pattern that everybody was putting on these cabinets when they stuck their hand on that side? Um, notably, one of the things is most people are right-handed, so the wear pattern is typically on the left-hand side of the machine where they gripped it with their left hand. So kind of a... <laughs> interesting analysis of, uh, of something that's really common on those machines. I have a question uh, on that. So did, were, are you guys arcade? Um, do you grip the Collectors? side of the, I mean, do you hold on to the side of the Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man Kevin when you play? I do. I do too. I don't. I, I, I'm just terrible at it. Maybe you have like really good balance. And by the way, I sent her some pictures of the, the, the Pac-Man that you have. You haven't sold it yet. Have you mine? Yeah. No, I'm not going to redo the sides either. I'm going to keep it the way it is. It has wear there. Um, nice. But like when I play Miss Pac-Man or Pac-Man or like even Mousetrap, uh, well, Mousetrap's a little different because you have to keep your left hand on the buttons, right? But but with the Pac-Mans, I, I do not grip the side of the machine. I am a single-handed player. Hmm. So That's why I like Super Pac-Man because there's a button for you. That's true. Uh and uh, yeah, that's true. Ambidextrous. Oh yeah, two buttons. They were very considerate. So I'm sorry. Go for it. Now. <laughs> in other so in other news, uh, we wanted to talk about. There's a local con, uh, 2D con, 
to be you lot said to, to uh, Joe and <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so Joe and Shanna have been doing a great job for the last uh, three years. It's going to be their fourth year. Uh, this is uh, in, uh, in Minnesota, Southern uh, Minneapolis. It's going to be at the Hyatt this year. It's designed as kind of a combination of tabletop RPGs, uh, doing speed running on consoles, but also retro gaming and arcade games. Last year, they had quite a selection of music and dance machines uh, that showed up. But this is going to be year number four. Last year, they had 2,100 people came through on the weekend in their third year, kind of an impressive number. And uh, this year, they're expanding out to the Hyatt with 15,000 more square feet. And um, we're doing a lot of work. Actually, the local community is really doing a lot of work to make this something where the arcade really shines and stands out. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I helped on that uh, recently with was, um, and they just announced is they have a special, a special, they have a special donor package. They have a special donor package for people that are bringing pinball and arcade. And there'll be a private pinball tournament for those that are bringing pinball machines. And you get a little extra bumper sticker. And you get some vending money um, that you can spend in the vendor hall. And also VIP uh, access to the con. So there's a VIP party for the people that bring games. That includes people that bring video games as well. So check that out. I think the other cool thing, Brian, is Paradise Arcade is probably going to play a pretty big role in this arcade this year <laughs> we uh, did uh we offered to bring 40 machines over to the event so we're going to be bringing 10 pinball machines 10 candy cabinets and about 20 classic arcade machines over to the event um and so it should be kind of fun we're going to try and bring some uh, fun stuff out that people don't normally get to play i'll grab a few from my collection haven't decided exactly what yet we're going to do is for the uh, rare games but we will have the six player x-men and a few other fun machines you don't get to play too often over there. Mm, Sweet. I like it. Six players. <laughs> and the last uh, last bit of news today, so I've been trying to bring some new products out. There's a really cool new product that showed up on uh, KLOV recently by Vector Collector. Um, and I know a lot of people in this ch- in the uh, chat as well as on uh, on the, the air broadcast right now deal with this, but... Uh, the Atari games are notorious for the AR2 systems breaking down and having problems, the voltage going out and just wreaking havoc with the boards, uh, burning out boards and causing all sorts of problems. Well, Vector Collector has not only designed a uh, basically a system for protection. <laughs> Is anybody else seeing this? little... <laughs> Voltage protection board. Oh, the wonders of wireless remote voltage monitor. Uh, Sorry, we lost it. Neat little idea. Um, Really, uh, kind of add something to those uh, Ataris to protect one of the common failure problems. So I just thought it was a neat thing to bring up today. Okay. All right. (laughs) Does anybody know? Wait to. I can't wait to have an LED inside of my, uh, (laughs) you know, cabinet that I can't see. That's going to be great. <laughs> so, just to reiterate, <laughs> so that on the AR2, the most common failure is, is the LM305. Is that what you were saying? Something about that? Yes. Yeah. And so, well, there's this, yeah, this yeah, product is yeah. a plug and play so, solution I mean, uh, that removes five the plus five, and it ex- if the plus five exceeds predefined over voltage threshold. So, basically, it's like a limiter and it's supposed to help save boards. Is that what I hear? We lost pretty much everything you had to say, Brian. <laughs> oh, we lost Brian altogether. Is he frozen again? He's just gone. Uh, He's gone. It's sad. It's, it's okay. Sad. Mm. 
That was great news. I'm excited. I can't wait to buy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I actually said I would buy three of those, so that's going to be so Well, that's fun. a great... I mean, it is a good thing, right? So basically, it's the, an LV2000 for the AR2 boards, right? Yeah, and it'll protect... Like, I have a real Warlords, you know, I, I would like to protect that board. Cool. Yeah, I've got a Warlords. I've got an Asteroids Deluxe. I've got a Star Wars. I've got a Tempest. So is that like a um, switcher attached to that, or or does it actually run power, the, this adaptive thing he's talking about? So it says it includes a plus five rail over voltage protection lockout. So it's got to be getting voltage from somewhere. Well, it, it actually plugs into the plug on the uh, the linear nine, the board. nine pin connector, right? Yeah, it's like an it, it's like an interlock type, not interlock, but um, you know, an in between type thing. Sure. Yeah. So you plug the other the regular, you know. It's like a it's like a filter board, you know, like a what Star Wars yeah. come with a filter board originally? Then you went between the main board and the it's the same concept, but it's for an AR two or AR one for that matter. So, right, but not AR three. Apparently, all of us AR three owners are going to be really. Yeah, sad. we're just screwed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Back in '82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave, to the cave. with with. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? We're going back to March 7th, 1986 today. Everybody remember what they were doing March 7th, 1986? Exidy, were you born at that point? <laughs> you look like a young man, sir. Uh, I was 16. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, so was I, huh? <laughs> Cla- class of 87, so. Uh, 88 right here. Nice. 91. Okay. That's kind of neat. All right. So, hey, so let, we're going to talk about four topics. The first one, technology. Um, the little-known sequel, Hopping Mappy, was released in March 1986. Do you are you familiar with that? Huh? Uh, I've heard of it, but I've never played it. Right, that'd be uh, kind I of a cool was... one to make like a mock like arcade cabinet or something. Yeah, if I remember right, it's a Rolling Thunder conversion, right? Oh, is it? I didn't know that. I didn't what to say. Huh? Yeah. Well, I see it's it runs on Namco System 86 hardware, so I presume you could just get some of that, put this thing in there, and bam. Yeah, I think Brian Jones uh, from uh, Game Stencils, maybe like 10 years ago, was working on something like that. That's the only reason why I know about it. Brian nice. Jones, Brian Jones. Uh, he has a question for you later in the show. <laughs> Does he? Huh. Oh, yeah. He's proc, like, right? He's Proc. Oh, Proc, right. Oh, yeah, Proc. Um, let's see. At the box office, Pretty in Pink continued oh, yeah. its reign at number one. Uh, and that show is so racist and it's not PG and by today's standards, there's boobies in it. <laughs> I like John. Well, I like John boobies. Movies had boobies. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, but, but you, you know, confused high school boys everywhere <laughs> dressed up. They dressed up as ducky and were very confused after being friends. Oh, I was thinking, I was thinking feet. 16 candles, 16 candles no. has boobies, pretty pink, no boobies. Besides that, uh, what's his name? He was, he didn't direct pretty and pink. John Hughes did not. No, he did not. But he wrote several. He, uh, you know, my favorite John Hughes movie is not directed by John Hughes. It's called Career Opportunities. I love that movie. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's about the guy. The guy that gets caught in the Target with Jennifer. Jennifer, what's her name? Yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer Boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty you Pink. Know, Pretty Pink girl. was written by John Hughes as well, but not directed by him. Right. So. Right. 
Yeah. I was thinking uh, 16 candles with the uh, Carolyn. You got Carolyn. Boom. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know there's so much stuff wrong about that. <laughs> but it, even like Teen Wolf, there's wrong. There's there's people like in the stands yelling stuff. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. The 80s. It's in the past. Uh, on TV, the same night, uh, I think the best thing that was on was the revival of the Twilight Zone. Did you watch it when they brought it back? Yeah, it was actually on for a few years. It, it didn't get canceled, right? I know it's, but I barely saw it. I know they're bringing it back again. I uh, saw the trailer. Yeah. It and actually, I've been very skeptical because they also brought it back in the two thousands with Forrest Whitaker. Right. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. One. So there's been there's been two reboots of it already. This one was with uh, Peel. Is his name Jordan, Jordan Jordan Peel? Is that his? Yeah. So anyway, the the trailer looks. Let me just say, I approve of the trailer. Yes. I feel like it's got a black mirror kind of feel to it. Yeah. And they also have elements of the original, the original, original, um, twilight zone in it. So I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it a chance. Nice. Um, but I'm, I have more confidence in than say star Trek. So, so let me just quickly say the episodes that they played, you know, they did two back to back, uh, when they did it in the 85, 86, one of them was uh, the, the episode where they have the box with a button. If you push it, a stranger dies. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not good. It's not that, it's not that good of an episode. But then the other episode is about a time traveler who prevents Ken oh, man. sort of sacrifice himself because uh, somebody has to die. He doesn't want Kennedy to die. So that's kind of a fun episode. Uh, it's funny. Both of these are available on YouTube for free. I watched them today and wasted an hour. Uh, so one of them is about saving Kennedy. Is that what you said? Yeah, that the saving Kennedy one's called, I don't know why profile in silver is the name of the episode. And the other one's called button button. At least that one makes sense. But, uh, yeah, twilight zone. That's 1986. Excellent. And the sequel to mappy only available in Japan. Yes. Hey, what's in the juke? What is in the juke? Wait a minute. You want me to play the freaking? <laughs> He just, he just, you, you should like, when I start the whole TV thing, you have to get that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hello and He's welcome it. to what's in the juke. Okay, here we go. Is it done? No, it, wait for it. Wait, wait. Holy moly. That takes a long. I kind of want to change it, but then I kind of don't, you know, it's like, <laughs> All right, you know the name of the drill. So, well, this is where our chatters fight for points and recognition. In a game called John, What's in the Juke? And, and John, you're welcome to play this. We're going to play a tiny snippet of a song, and if you can guess it, just a you will bit. be rewarded with points and a pat on the back. I should just blurt it out? And our, yes. Exactly, and our internal <laughs> admiration. And it looks like Casey's not in the chat tonight. That's right. That means it's a fair fight. All right, everybody. Just for those that have just joined in tonight, we're going to give you the rules. The rules are we play a clip, just a tiny little clip, and you guess what the song is. If you guess properly the name of the song, you get half a point. If you you guess properly the artist of the song, you get another half point for a full point. Right? Am I right so far? That's how we've... And and uh, depending on the order that it shows up on our side, right. that's the order that we take it. Exactly. So you will you will hear this half point if you get half of it right. You will hear this full point if you get it all right. And you will hear this if you continually fight about it. All right. Here comes the first clip. 
Here we go. That's all I'm giving. Three seconds. That's what I gave him. Is that good? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Baldwin says, your side is fake news. How is, how is playing a song fake news? I just want to know. Hey, Brennan, Brennan Parker's in the chat. Brennan Parker's in the chat. Welcome yeah. to the show. We got the Dave Lope. We got the Mono Surge. We got the Andy Baldwin. We got the Paul Cernan. We got the Mark Caps. We got, I mean, this is, the chat is a hopping. Looks like Dave Lope got the idol. Oh, yeah. Oh, I should give him a half point for that. Dave Lope gets a half point. All right. Uh, oh, Brian Frober. Anybody got the the artist? <laughs> yeah, the artist who sings this mother trucking song. I'll tell you. Yes. Uh, all right, here we go. We're gonna play a little bit more. Someone's got to be able to look it up by now. I mean, if the Come burning on. the burning heart is correct, you should be able to look up the burning heart. Justin Bieber, Coverdale, David Just- Coverdale. <laughs> No, and no, and no. Wow. Wow, there's just a whole lot of not correct in here right now. I'm gonna, we're going to have to move on. Just, yeah, we're moving on. All right, so that was Burning Heart by Survivor. You guys missed You guys missed the half point on that. So uh, that was a half point half for, point. was that Dave Lope? Correct. Dave Lope's in the lead with half a point. Okay, here comes the next clip. Pounds. Dollar. Million. Dollar. Pounds. Dollar. That's and, and, yeah, and we're looking for the longer version name of this song. We are? Sure. Okay. <laughs> See, that's very difficult. I'm going to play a little bit more. Oh, my God. Brian Frober pulls it out again with a half a point for How to Be a Millionaire, which is correct, right? Half point. Oh, he got the full point then. Well, did he get ABC? Oh, oh, oh. oh. Well, he has a full point now. Full point. <laughs> For Brian Frober. Way to go, Brian Frober. Way to take control tonight. I'm very impressed. Okay, here comes the next track. Must be like that. Is this the 12 inch? It might be, but. I have no idea. Well, that, it's kind of it's kind of a cool version. It is kind of cool. I think it's not the right version, but well, I'll go into the middle of the song. In your dreams, the Dave Lope reigns. Dave Lope swoops in for half a point, just just out of nowhere, right? Half point. And uh, that's the Thompson twins. But what is the name Nobody of the song? Figures out what the type. All right, here we go. They should get it after that for sure. (laughs) Come on, Dave Alope, you got this. I was something for just a day. (laughs) King for just one day. I'm going to have to give that to Brian. That's pretty close. Right. All right. That was King for a day. 
by the Thompson Twins. So, so far we've had Burning Heart by Survivor, we've had How to Be a Millionaire by ABC, and King for a Day by the Thompson Twins. Here comes your next clip. Here we go. I'll see you at the dance. What's going on? See you at the dance. See you at the dance. That's it. That's that's the. Should I play more? I don't know. I think that's pretty good. I don't think we need to play more. Very distinct. Two Brian's. I want to. I want to get like a pager, like a that makes it sound. Your, ring, your ringtone? That's going to be my ringtone. My ringtone, yes, thank you. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to make it my ringtone. I, I'm prepared for Captain Marvel, so I'm starting to reference pagers again <laughs> in Blockbuster. All right, we're going to play a little bit. Oh, Randy Gelking jumps into the chat, picks it off. He's got a half point for Sly Fox. Let's see if you can get the name of the song. Half point goes to Randy Gelking. And it was followed up by the Dave Elope with Let's Go All The Way for... Half point. point. You guys are doing a great job. All right. Here comes the next track. Oh, that's that's good. I like that. See if anybody can get it from that. I mean, Casey would have got it by now, right? <laughs> I wouldn't. Be. <laughs> All right, Where I'll play a little Casey? more. I'll play a little more. That's a... I'm not playing anymore. Nice. Oh, Steve got it. Steve Murky jumps into the chat with R-O-C-K and he got this John Cougar. I, I'm going to have to give it to him. Uh, what, it's, it's, it's not really John Cougar, though. Should I give it? No, it's John Cougar. He, he went by both, so it's the same guy. But it's Melonhead. It's not like there were two John Cougars. But Randy Gelking was closer with Melonhead oh. than... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so who gets it? Somebody... Okay, Brian, we're giving you Melon Camp. Okay, so half point for, for Brian for technicality. Is that, is that okay? I think it's half sure. point. Brian Frober gets half point, and Steve Murky is on the board half with half a point. Okay, here we go. This one, here we go. It. Ooh, Randy, you got it. Russians half and sting. Randy pulls it off for half point and a whole point. Look at that. Full point. Randy's in the game with a full point. I think he's pulls got... up next to Davelope. Wow, check that out. Just coming out of nowhere. That was Russians by Sting. Last one was RCK by John Mellencamp. No Cougar yet. I mean, they had he had switched over by. Okay, so because um, originally it was John Cougar, they thought his name Mellencamp was too campy. Are you sure? Oh. Because I just copied this out of the Radio Top 40 whatever thing. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, well. I'm sure. Okay. ROCK is off of his album Scarecrow, which was under the name John Malcolm. So, okay, here, here we go. The next one is uh, one of my favorites. Here we go. Brian Frober's in with half a point with ZZ Top. And, ooh, it is not changes. It oh. is stages. Andy Baldwin comes in with a name for half a point. Half oh, point. Nope. So, Brian got stages also. It's right after ZZ Top. Uh, he did. He did. Where'd Brian get it? Right after oh. he said ZZ Top. Oh, he got it, both of them. But I'm sorry. Uh, Brian 
Frober, man, gets a full point. Full point. Look at that. That was some serious fighting. Somebody, Brian's. Good job, Brian Jones. But that's though. great. So that was uh, Russians by Sting, Stages by ZZ Top, and this one I'm only going to play a little bit of a scene. That's it. It's such a slow song. It is such a slow song. You can slow dance to it, you know. Yeah. Yes. John Exidy on the board. John Exidy just called out what? What did he call? Oh, Tarzan boy, Brian Jones. But but John got the title first. But who got the name? Randy got the name. Randy got in there with Baltimore. Oh, very nice. Half point for Randy and a half point for the guest star. Half point. Which rarely happens. I mean, it's very sad how bad, you know, like on this side of the board we are. And I, and I know I would suck if I was up against these guys. They're really good. All right. So here we go. We got two more songs left and only two left in the jukebox. Here we go. Uh, that's it. I'm not playing it anymore. If you I don't don't like get, that song because it sounds like they decided, like, oh, let's start to play this and then we'll stop. And uh, This is one of my all-time favorite bands ever. Ever, ever. Yep. And, and that is In Excess. Dave Lopes in with In Excess. And what is the song, peoples? Brian Frober. Dave Lopes with half a point. Brian Frober with half a point. Half point. And a half point. Half point. What you need. You guys were just you were just in there. Very, very close. Let me let me uh, summarize this. Right now, Brian Fober is in first place with 3.5 points. I think, actually, he can't lose. Dave well, Lope and Randy G are tied with two, and uh, Steve Murky and John Exidy tied with a half point. Okay, we should make this a little more interesting. What do you say the next one's worth four points? All you need is two points, but... Yeah. Two points to beat Brian? Sure. All right, two points. It's worth two points. This is it. This is the challenge. You can do it, Brian. All right, here you go. This is it. That was what you need by NXS. Here's the next clip. That's all I'm playing. Wow. I think that's good enough. Song with drums. Song with drums. We like those. We may have played this clip before. Here we go. Randy Gelkin gets it for half a point. He gets two points. Addicted Love with Dave Lope. Where does that put them? They each got two points. But all they got at one point each, didn't they? So they still lost. See, if I made it four points, it would have been more fun. It would. Okay, well, Brian. Missy Elliott. Casey Relford jumps in with Missy Elliott. Listen. <laughs> Listen, you. Oh. Oh, my God. Okay, I gotta say, that was What's in the Juke. Thanks for playing Addicted to Love, Robert Palmer, and Mark Wine should tell us who won and what they won. Hey, the winner tonight is Brian Fober with three and a half points. You've won a pat on the back and a hearty hi-ho. And the admiration of all the people on Arcade Radio. Thanks for listening to the show, and thanks for playing. so cool. We just like to say thank you for playing. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This long-distance dedication goes out to you. Why don't you hug yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, are we, do we have any? We don't have anything in the can tonight for a. a no. Okay, all right. So we're going to move on to the. Why this show? I'll tell you, sometimes the show is just so disappointing. <laughs> no calls. 
I know we don't have any calls. We, can just, we should just make one check? up. Let's just, okay, let me just check. No, I didn't check. Usually I'm told if I'm supposed to check. Sometimes people leave real calls. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> my, the drummer in my band says he's going to leave a call, a call, but he hasn't done it yet. So, or he, we, we seem to not have gotten his call. Listen, if anybody really wants to leave a call, you can call 612-548-GAME. That's G-A-M-E, as in Gamers and Gamers Anonymous. Yeah, you could leave it during the show. Maybe we'll notice. Yeah, maybe. It might pop up if I even had the window open for that. Yes, uh, you will. Andy Baldwin saying, uh, can we ask John Exidy game pricing questions? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you can just call and leave a message not? on the game line. We'll play him back next week when he's not on the show. <laughs> oh, my God. We have actually there's a bunch of questions in the chat. So I'm going to move on to the next uh, section of the show, which we're all looking forward to. Christ, that is loud. Oh, that's the sound of guest. What is it? The sound of? I don't even know what I was going to say. That's it. This is where we introduce our uh, guests. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, here we go. This is where we. He has some text. We're like on schedule. This is right on schedule. <laughs> Welcome again to this show, John Jamsheed. Uh, it's great to have you on board. Yeah. Thanks. We got, we, we actually very have sincere sounding. Was it not? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to play a clip. Uh, can, can I play a little bit clip? Uh, we played a little bit at the beginning of the show. I just want to play this clip from 10 years ago. So everybody sit back and relax and listen to this. Here we go. Basically, there's a guy in Lakeland named John who has a garage that's a sort of shrine to his childhood passion. Video games, the more primitive, the cornier, the better. But the city of Lakeland didn't think that John's garage was an appropriate place for his hobby. Yeah, so, yeah. They show your garage. That's pretty cool. The of his garage are as classic as any 57 Chevy or 1757 armchair. This is you, and there's chefs coming out at you. You just throw pies at them try to knock them out. Food Fight, Puyan, Tron, they're the video games of his childhood. It's a classic video game now, which means, you know, pretty much an antique video game. Only a true collector would talk about these things in the revered tones reserved for antiques, but John collects them with the same passion that he played them as a child. Every time I walk by these games, it reminds me of 20 years ago when I was a kid waiting in line to play this game, and the big kid would push me out of the way, you know? Well, the big kids are back. Oh, that's it, I guess. Recently, the city of Lakeland came calling. They sent John this notice telling him the games are a business. We received a complaint uh, that there was a video game business being operated from that address and that trucks were coming and going. Believe me, I don't want anybody touching these games. As you see, they're very sensitive. You're going to see it a good Dreamcast, you know, Because of their age. The notice told John, game over, clean out the garage. The fact that he has business equipment, is that what the violation is? That's the violation at this point. So, by the letter of the law, if you collect some sort of business equipment, say old pay phones or old Coke machines or, heaven forbid, a jukebox and the city of Lakeland found out about it, you could find yourself on the wrong side of the law. I've never seen anybody here playing video games. It's not as if people are trucking in and trucking out video games. No. It's not a nuisance. No, not at all. She's a nice John's neighbor. next-door neighbor understands his passion. She collects baskets. Yeah, no, I don't think I 
be very happy. What? Were they business baskets? <laughs> People put money in her basket. Calling an attorney, but first he called us. The city of Lakeland now says the games can stay. This time, the big kids aren't pushing back. Okay, so that is pretty fun. Um, probably, you know, it's 10 years old. I know you recently did an interview on this. But let's just r- jump right into this and ask you about when Lakewood tried to shut you down. Uh, tell us a little bit about that from your point of view. And, and obviously, you called the news station to preempt getting kicked out of your own house. It was it was actually more like 19 years ago. Whoa, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and what happened was um, I was hauling a lot of games into my place, right? And a lot of trailers and stuff like that were coming in because I, w- I just kept buying games and kept buying games, and I filled up my house full of games. Uh, the real problem was that one of our neighbors thought I was some kid um, that didn't work, and basically I was just <laughs> running an arcade or something. There's some like 15-year-old kid over there. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, basically, what's this kid doing with a bunch of games in his house? 19 years ago, weren't you like 15? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, we were all a lot longer, um, younger. I was probably 20. Yeah, I was about 30. But a young 30. Yeah, you look, you look young. You're a good-looking man. So, Mark, <laughs> you had something to add to this? Right. So I looked up your original post. Let me quote it. Um, this is legendary from the rec.games.video.arcade.collecting uh, news group. And you wrote, uh, I had some bitch from the city of Lakeland, my town, come to the, come to the house today and rip me a new ass. <laughs> she told me that I had to get rid of my games. I have 30 days to do this. She told me the video game collecting was not a hobby and that those are breaking zone laws. What can I do about this? Question mark. But, but I, what I really like is how she, like how you were confronted by her. I think she just walked into your house and opened the door or something. That's exactly what happened. She, I was inside my house and I was collecting Apple II computers actually also. Wow. <clears throat> and she just walked into my house and she said, uh, I was just in your garage. I just saw a bunch of games in there, and I see a bunch of computers on these desks. Uh, what kind of a business are you running? I said, <laughs> I said these are Apple II computers. <laughs> and I said, I'm not running any business. And she said, that's not what it looks like to me. And I said, are, are you supposed to just walk into somebody's house like this? Right. And she said, well, the door was open. And I, was like, I said to her, I was like, you need to leave, basically. Mm-hmm. And she left. And then right after she left, uh, I posted on RGVAC. And I actually didn't call Channel 8. I had like five or six lawyers contact me. And a lawyer told me that he knew somebody in Channel 8. And literally within, I would say, just a few hours, they came out. That is awesome. And, and then they, they played it off as you called them, but that really, it didn't happen that way. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I, that lawyer knew somebody. I mean, I don't think I would have been able to call Channel 8 and say, hey, come out here, and they would have been out. Right, like, I, I'm like, someone's going to sue me. Uh, can you do a story on me? And they're like, yeah, who the hell are you? Like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Paul Cern, stem cells and solder fumes keep us all young. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? 
Stem cells. Right. Brian, Brian Thompson says, I've been collecting for 19 years personally, lived in a lot, uh, lived in a loft for 10 years. The building owner did not like my games. I can hear you, Brian. Yeah. And yeah. I actually, since we're on this subject, uh, how long have all of us been collecting? John, tell us how long have you been collecting? I started collecting around 97, 98, actually. Wow. That's, I didn't start until 2002, which would probably be the same age then. So, uh, Mark, when did you start collecting? Oh, I didn't really. I think, I, yeah, I didn't start collecting till 2013 or 14. Okay, and then yeah. Brian, is he on anymore? I am. I am back, and I apologize for some reason. I actually had to restart my computer, oh, so man. we are back, and we're in force now. I can actually hear you guys. Before it was like a staticy mess, but oh, good, good. I started collecting in 2007. I actually the first game I collected, I bought my wife for Christmas. Interesting. What and uh, that just kind of uh, was the first game. So she can't uh, say it's all my fault. Was I it guess. the pinball? Was that the pinball machine? No, it was actually a uh, Galag in a Stratavox cabinet labeled as original Galaga on Craigslist. Funny. Oh, gosh. That must have been beautiful. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those like, you know, I probably wouldn't be in this hobby if I didn't start looking into all the like things that didn't <laughs> make sense on the game. And all of a sudden found KLV and all that stuff. But that's hilarious. So, so what is the, so I got to ask you, what is behind the evil exity now, John exity name? Where'd that start? So what happened was in RGBAC, everybody kept talking about Atari and basically (laughs) Atari was like the main thing, right? Everybody was just collecting Atari stuff. Um, And it started kind of aggravating me because I kept trying to mention other uh, companies and stuff like that, like more underground companies and people just kept ignoring it. So I thought it would be really funny if I would just change my handle from my name to just Exidy, uh, just to be a smartass. So every time I would post, it would say Exidy on it. That's that's funny. I just thought you really liked Exidy games, so that's a good story. Yeah, so that just basically, so every time I would post, it'd show Exidy, 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 and then uh, I ended up going to some auctions, and people kept saying, hey, aren't you Exidy? And I was like, what the heck? I didn't think <laughs> it would actually be like a nickname, but then they just stuck. And then I threw evil in front of it to mix it up a little bit. That's so you, nice. basically trolling got you your nickname. That, that was basically <laughs> it, yeah. Speaking of evil, uh, your first game ever that you bought from somebody, you you still remember the name of that person. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, that, that story is actually really interesting. Uh, what happened was MAME had just started, mm-hmm. and I think back then there was like 50 games or less on MAME. Wow. And um, I was blaring Galaga on my computer, and I had a joystick, and... My lawnmower guy knocked on my window and said, hey, do I hear a Galaga in your house? And I said, hell yeah, I got like 50 games in my house, bro. (laughs) And he was like, what the hell? So he ran all the way around, knocked on my door, and he said, I want to see your collection. And I was like, my collection? Sure, man, come on in. He walked into my office, and I pointed at my computer, and he said, "Um, where's your Galaga? And I said, it's right there on my computer screen. He said, Wow, man, that's super lame. He goes, I have a bunch of games in my house. You should come and check them out. And I said to him, wait a minute, you have real arcade games? He said, <laughs> he said of course. What do, you t- you know, what do you think we're talking about here? And I said, bull crap, man. I was like, let's go to your house right now and take a look at these arcade games. <laughs> so we jump in this truck. I had my girlfriend, who's now my wife, jump, jump in my vehicle. And we followed him all the way to his house. This is no joke. Mm-hmm. I was throwing a temper tantrum in my in my car. I was like, how could this guy 
have real arcade games and I can't afford arcade games. I was like, if I go to his house and I open the door and I actually see arcade games in his house, I'm going to be like crushed because <laughs> how could this dude afford $2,000 games, $3,000 games? Sure. And I have to play them on a stupid computer screen. Yeah. <laughs> so then when we showed up, he opened the door and I looked inside his entire living room, just filled with arcade games. <laughs> and my jaw just dropped. I was like, what is going on here? And I was like, how do you even afford to buy this stuff? He goes, dude, I just bought them off of the newspaper. They're like 50 bucks, hundred dollars a game. Yeah. He grabbed the newspaper, opened it up. He goes, look right here. This guy named Skip is selling some right now, 50 to $100 a game. So I literally left his house, went over to Skip's house. Uh, his, <laughs> his actual name was Skip Church. <laughs> and, uh, so I went over to Skip that Church. That does not house. get old. That cannot get old. I mean, like, <laughs> seriously. He actually had a card. It was like him skipping, and there was a church next to it or oh, something. That's funny. Like that. <laughs> that's very funny. So I, I bought two games from him. Uh, I bought a double <laughs> dragon and then I bought a heavy barrel and I was so excited. I can't even put words. I, I can't even explain it to you. I couldn't sleep heavy all barrel, night because I had these two real arcade games in my garage. <laughs> and your girlfriend at it. the time was like, uh, both this is going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the funny thing, man, is that I went from two games to like 30 or 40 games within a month. You know, that's funny. That's really fun. Okay. I'm not going to go into my story, but that is kind of how it goes, right? Like there's a tipping point, I think like, uh, I don't know. It's like an aha moment. When I got divorced, <laughs> I need something to do. And I collected the shit out of games. <laughs> yeah. uh, my girlfriend ended up going to Kansas city to visit her family. And, um, when she came back, uh, I threw all my furniture into the garage and I filled my entire house with games. Oh my God. All I had was a TV and a couch and everything else. Every room was just games. That is nuts. That's a, so and she married you. Exactly. Was, by the way, I couldn't even fit all the games in my house. So I had a couple in the entrance too, like on the way in of the foyer. Yeah. And, um, she was like, what is this? And I said, it's my arcade. Right. And she was like, we're going to get rid of these, right? I said, nope. And, uh, and that Man. was that, basically. They stayed. I would just like to say that all four of us are very lucky to have uh, companions, women in our life that support our house. Uh, <laughs> hey, I almost got beat down a few times because of that. But that's okay. I mean, you're still there. You're still together. You're running two arcade, three arcade locations. You have your own private collection. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. I mean, right? Oh, yeah. Basically, what's happened is she realized that, you know, uh, besides the fact that I have a, a big collection, she knows that I'm into it, and I really appreciate it. And she also understands that we make money off of it, too. So she's okay with it even more because of that. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that didn't happen right away, but that we're going to talk about that right now. Actually, Channel 7, the Denver channel, just made up a uh, one... They they just did a, a mile high must thing. So now they're rating different businesses in the Denver area and giving them a mile high must rating. And the Denver Channel just made one up, one of the mile high musts. Can you talk a little bit about your real business, which is One Up Arcade? And uh, you have locations in Lower Downtown Historic District, which they call Lodo, and Colfax, and now Greenwood. Right. So basically, the Lodo location was our first location. And what happened was um, Jordan Adler, he, he came up to me and said, hey, I have this idea uh, about a barcade. 
you know, basically put games in an arcade. I mean, uh, put games in a bar. And I said to him something like, dude, this is like you're like the 10th person that's asked me this year. Uh, it's kind of like a common idea that everybody kind of has. But then when um, when I talked to him, I realized he was being super serious and I could tell that he had a, like a real plan going. So um, I jumped on board and we opened up the first location and I was thinking it's going to take us a year or two for it to take off. Uh, day one, it was packed. I mean, when, the entire place was packed. When when did you open up the first one? It was around uh, 2010, maybe 2011, somewhere around there. So kind of, I mean, like there's been this huge resurgence in games. So you guys were right at the like front edge of that. I mean, you were, I mean, trendsetters because back then arcade bars were not the going rage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I didn't think it was even going to like be possible to be honest with you. I thought people would walk in there and just be like, it's a bunch of old games and just walk out of there. But uh, it wasn't like that at all. I didn't think about it from the point of view of like a 21 year old or something like that that had never seen them in real life. Yep. And they show up and they're like, Oh, you know, I read about this or I saw this on TV or, you know, uh, I watched King of Kong and, and I want to play Donkey Kong because of yep. it. I didn't think of any of that stuff. It's funny. Cause like, uh, so we started paradise in 2009 and a lot of people said, there's no way you should start an arcade company right now. It's not gonna, it's not gonna last. And we weren't predicting the future, but like, I mean, kind of got lucky you guys. I mean, it just all folded in in the last 10 years that this resurgence has been awesome. I agree. I think that a lot of the resurgence, I mean, this is from my personal point of view. People can, you know, argue with, with me about this, but I think that the success of the King of Kong is kind of what kickstarted this whole hobby, like what it is today. (coughs) It definitely brought a lot of attention to it. I mean, people, people started looking for Donkey Kongs and trying to play these original games. You didn't see them on the big screen as much until after that, was done and then you start seeing them sneaking up in all sorts of television shows and also all over the place so you do have a point there so you know when i first moved here to colorado um around 2008 i guess that's when king of kong came out uh i had two television stations contact me um because of my arcade classic site and they wanted to have game rooms in their um you know in a place of work yeah, so basically Fox 31 and I think it was Channel 9 News, they both bought like 10, 15 games for me to put back there. And when I put them back there, both places mentioned King of Kong to me. And um, they said something like, because of the editing in King of Kong, everybody in both places had to watch King of Kong for editing. So they ended up being like turned on by classic games because of that. And then I explained to them that I was in King of Kong and then they, they were even more excited because of that. <laughs> I barely saw you in King of Kong. Now, what, what is the story there? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor of you, right? Yeah. So what happened with King of Kong was, um, uh, one of my friends, uh, John Russo, uh, down in uh, Florida, his place got nailed by a hurricane um, down in, by Pompano Beach. And his place was literally just finished. Like, they just finished fixing it up and stuff like that, and it was empty. And the guys from King of Kong asked f- for us to find a place to set up some games so they could film this movie. And I said, sure, I have, I have a friend down in Pompano Beach, uh, Apollo Amusements. He has an empty building. We could just go down there. I picked up all the games and I set them up there and then they followed me around for three days 
And they told me, you're going to be a big, big part of the movie. And I said, uh-uh, I don't want to be a big part of the movie. Interesting. <laughs> so you, I, lo- you loan games in a locations, but not yourself. Right, right. So what happened was I set up the whole place with games. And then, they, you know, what happened was Walter, they approached me and he said, we need these games there. <laughs> and, and then I set up all those games. And then when they followed me around, I started thinking about it. And I started thinking about that movie, um, Trekkies. Yeah. And I said to myself, you know what? After this movie comes out, uh, we're going to be laughing stocks. And I was like, mm. even though I take this seriously, people are going to start making fun of me. So I was like, you know what? They handed me a contract, and I said, um, you know what, man? I'm not going to sign this contract. I want another contract that's going to remove me from the entire movie. Oh, that's interesting. And then uh, he was like, are you sure about that? And I was like, yeah. He's like, we already have all this footage. And I was like, nope, I don't want to be in it. Good, so, good call. Uh, Very good call. So then he came back, and then he gave me the contract. I signed it, and then they took me out. I guess that's an early version. I mean, there's, I'm in a couple of scenes, but for the most part, I'm not there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Trekkies. Uh, I'm a huge Trekkie. Uh, the movie Trekkies to me is is interesting. It it, it does cast a, a negative light on some uh, on some Trekkies, uh, Trekkers as they like to be called. And of course, the young man who they focus on in there. They man, they made a they made an interesting case out of him. <laughs> but at the, in the end of the film. Uh, towards the credits, there is a scene where there's some puppets. Uh, there's a Guinan puppet and there's a Data puppet, and they look like Muppets. Um, and a friend of mine's father, a friend of mine who passed away many years ago, his father made those puppets. And so uh, I look at that movie with fondness, even though it's <laughs> kind of crappy uh, to fans. But uh, at the time, there was nothing going, and there was nothing bigger in Trek. They, those, all the conventions that were going on, everything was just nuts. And um, I'm proud to to see them in the end of that movie, even though it's not great. You know, hey, I, I actually thought King of Kong was actually pretty entertaining. Yeah, oh, uh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, there's a scene that I kind of talk about uh, to a lot of people. You know, the part when Billy Mitchell and his wife go walking in, and then. Um, Billy Mitchell's wife says something to uh, Steve Steve Levy. Yeah, and then he says something like, don't talk to people like that or something like that. (laughs) And it makes him look like a real dick, right? I was actually standing there when it happened. I was standing to the left of Steve Levy. And what actually happened there was uh, the the two came in, and it was kind of a big deal because they weren't going to show up. That's what the news was. Like, everybody kept talking to each other. Oh, Billy Mitchell's never going to show up. Right. And when they actually showed up, uh, they walked in and everybody, everybody was surprised. And Billy Mitchell's wife just kept talking and talking and talking to Steve Weeby and just would not stop talking to him. So he kept looking back at her and then he goes, don't talk to people like that. OK, not because because oh, he, he wanted her, her to stop talking while the yeah. things were going on in the film. Right, right. He, she kept distracting him. And then he said something like he's trying to get the high score. Leave him alone. Yeah. But they, well, cut, they cut all that part out of it. Uh, the interesting thing about that is, is, is so many people, all the people in the film have said you can't look at the film as an entertaining film. Great. You know, but Brian Koo and uh, Robert Murchek and. Billy Mitchell and Steve Wiebe were all uh, made into characters, and and they were they were represented maybe not as true as they should be in real. Life. Right. 
And so, and it's tough because you're signing away, you know, your life when you do this, this documentary, I'm sure they could just sculpt it any way they want. Uh, but every time I talk to somebody, you know, it's, it's, uh, nothing that happened in that film was necessarily true, which is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're the guest. Okay. No, what I was going to say was, um, when we were at Pompano beach, I remember speaking to, um, all the guys that were there. And they were all under the impression that they were filming the world championships or something like that, because um, that's what they were told. Actually, I have photographs of, of that location, and they had banners up that said world championship and all this type of stuff. It was supposed to be a documentary about filming a bunch of people playing a bunch of different games. And then I think they found the story, and then they kind of like build it up. Sure. Um, yeah. Yagi 9. Kind of yeah, there's a guy in the chat. I don't know who this is. Yagi 9. Uh, it says, tell them about Lonnie. Was Lonnie supposed to be in King of Kong? <laughs> Lonnie? Is he talking about Lonnie, the local guy here? Oh, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I was thinking Lon McDonald, but. Oh, maybe. maybe I, I don't know. I know a few Lonnie's, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yagi Nine says, tell them about Lonnie. But okay. So, and Brian Frober asks, are you planning to come out to Grinkers this year? You know, I plan on going to Grinkers every year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, it, but it never happens. Sure, uh, sure. The problem is, we, you know, we're like super busy with the three locations. So I always wait to the last minute and I say I'm going to go. And then all of a sudden something comes up and I can't go. I've said Lonnie the Lounge Lizard, uh, Lonnie Dawson. That make any sense? Awesome. Oh yeah, you know what, man? I don't want to talk about that. Okay, well, good. Good. No, that's good. That's fine. You know, and sometimes that happens. We just sorry, folks. Sometimes in the chat, we hear things. We're gonna we're gonna do the best we can. But moving uh, along, we're moving along. So um, yeah, uh, do, uh, was there's a couple of questions too. Top earner at the One Up Arcade. What's your top earner? As in a video game? Yeah, or, or just uh, whatever it is. If it's a, it doesn't have to be a video game. It could be a pinball. It could be a. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. If you want to talk about classics, yeah, uh, one of the best earners is Frogger. Really? Wow. Are you serious? Yeah, for us, Frogger is the number one earner. That in, kind of in blows my locations. mind. Yeah, and then uh, when it comes to uh, newer games, you know, it's like the four-player pack and stuff like that. They kind of crush it. <laughs> they do super well. Yeah, those are awesome. Huh. The, like the battle royale stuff. Um, how often do you have to replace the joysticks on those things? Cause oh we've noticed God. that uh, at the local one, we're putting new joysticks in there every couple of months. Cause people get drunk, they hang on them and it's almost hilarious to see how badly they get. Hurt. We should just replace them with something more durable from the eighties. Uh, here's the thing, man. The joysticks are Sanwa sticks. Yep. So uh, the base is different, right? The base is different than a regular joystick. So what happens is if you want to put, like half joysticks or something like that. You're going to have to cut some of the, some wood and then kind of change the whole thing around. So, and the sandwich joysticks are only like 16, 17 bucks each. So basically like, um, I bought like 50 Sanwa sticks and every two months, just like he said, I replace them. That's funny. But here's my thing. If you're going to spend the labor to change these things out, why wouldn't you just buy, well, like uh, do what they did back in the day with the operate. Okay. Here's the thing that ticks me off and it's an Exidy game. So I'm bringing it up. I have a I have a mouse trap, right? Oh, Mark has a mouse trap. I have yes. a mouse trap. Uh, it's a fun game. I love the game. I get it. Somebody has retrofitted it with another joystick, drilled four new holes in the freaking control panel to put this joystick in. That sucks, and it and it doesn't work. So what do I do? I start researching 
joysticks, Exidy joysticks, and I find out that Exidy freaking rips off Namco Bally Midway, and they they basically copied their joystick. Right? Am I right so far? But isn't isn't the base different? It, it, like the way it mounts? It's no, the base is exactly the same as a Bally Midway. The the, the the screws are in the exact same spot. So it's bizarre. I freaking put in a Bally. I put in a Miss Pac Man joystick into my into my mousetrap because I'm like I want it to work. Right. You know. But here's the, that my point is: you have a game. It's an earner. Cut that sucker. Cut it open. Put a new joystick in there. <laughs> The, the Sanwa joysticks, actually, the funny thing about them, and a lot of the classic guys don't know this, because Sanwa is what everybody uses in the fighting game community. Right, so you think it would take a beating, right? Well, they do, and actually, we replace a lot of the ones locally with aluminum actuators and things like that that are little custom parts that we have. But the the funny thing about it is is that instead of the micro switches where you have to unplug each one, it's a five-pin harness. Swapping one of those out takes, like, less than five minutes. I mean, it's literally pop it open undo four bolts, unplug a harness, plug it back in, and you're, you're ready to go. It's a very quick swap. Yeah, And you know what, man? For the most part, it's not even the joystick that, that really breaks. It's just that little board underneath it. Yep. And that just takes a few seconds, you know, to swap out. Yep. TPMAs. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, man. How, how did the new... Like, so one of the things that, you know, as, as classic collectors, we see all these new games, and the new games just... They, they cost a fortune, right? I mean, like, relative to what we pay for the old titles. And yet, everybody gets them because they're the latest thing. I mean, I've sat down, I'll play some of them at the... Have a good time playing the new Galaga retake, the Space Invaders, where you sit there and shoot them, and they're fun. But, I mean, how do those kind of stack up against a lot of the classic stuff you guys have? Do you carry any of the, the new Raw Thrill stuff, or do you stick yeah, with mostly classics? We do. I actually, um, I like to, we like to sprinkle like new stuff and old stuff. Uh, I always make the joke that like, you know, you buy a Miss Pac-Man for 500 bucks. It out earns a raw thrills game that costs you a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Do you have a relationship with, uh, Eugene, by the way? Sure. I've talked to him a few times. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. He's been on the show a couple times. Really nice guy. Super excited about, uh, of course his business. And being able to maintain it these times, but I was I was kind of curious if if you had a uh, you know if you could personally buy games from Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> we buy games, you know what, man? We don't really buy brand spanking new stuff. I mean, we did buy the new Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, and uh, but we tend to buy stuff like Terminator Salvations and stuff like that. Sure. So they're about ten years old. I like. Yeah, I also like that super big Pac Man game with Pac Man. Yeah, world's largest Pac Man. It's so awesome. It's yeah, you know what's strange though is it has a um, eight way stick in it, so uh, it's just huh. a little bit strange because you know Pac Man you're gonna need a four way stick on it. So yeah. whenever those break, I always end up putting four ways in them. I like that. I like that. Interesting. But the other thing is, is cool about that is that you can play with two players, which is unusual. Yeah, I think that um, that particular game it's made to take your quarter though. You know, it's designed for you to only make it so far and throw more money and more money in it. Similar to like Gauntlet, for example, uh, <laughs> they designed those games so you just shell out money and just keep throwing it in it. Yeah, man, that's those are. I love the fact that you have this this good mix, seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, and today. You're like a you're like a, a classic radio station. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, uh, you know, I want to circle Rick back real quick. What's the top top three pinball earners right now? You know, some of the newest stuff. Uh, it's 
in my opinion, it's all theme based, right? So a person that walks in who's never played a pinball machine, do they approach an attack from Mars? Maybe because it's the new ones are super flashy and bright and all that kind of stuff. But I think people approach theme first. Yeah. So if they it, so if, if they like Deadpool, for example, they'll they'll just approach that. Or if they see a Guardians of the Galaxy, they like the movie, so they approach that. That's interesting. Um, some of these newer games that have come out, like Monsters, I think that that theme. I mean, I like the Monsters. I always love the show. Sure. But um, does a 21-year-old even know who the Monsters are? I feel uh, like that's an, a weak attempt yeah. for them to copy Adam's family. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is, man. And it's like, I'm not sure if people are going to play it. We just got them in, so we'll find out. Right. Do you, do you uh, as far as, and I know the way your pinballs, at least in, I think, the Lodo location, you know, it's a very long row of pins. Do you try to... Uh-oh. <laughs> like, yeah. towards the bar versus further down that... Uh, I, I guess you're saying like, do we, do we lo- put them in specific locations? Yes, correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. We actually do that. We shuffle games around. You know what they say about location? You know, you, have, you just, you always have to keep it fresh. So you move stuff around. There's a lot of games that when you walk into the place, uh, we put like the first one, I mean the, the newest ones right where they're visible. So well, that's got, that's gotta be awesome. Them. Having three locations where you can rotate. That's the best part, man, because if a game doesn't do well in one location, we can try it in another location. And if it doesn't work in that one, we'll move it to the third location. And it's been interesting because some stuff might not earn at Lodo, sure. but it crushes that Colfax. How, how are you, do you guys have any of the new like indie games? Uh, I mean, I guess uh, killer Queen's not so much indie anymore. They've kind of taken off, but uh, Killer Queen, Death Ball. There's a couple of different games that are starting to make Cosmotrons. Oh, Death Ball, man. <laughs> yeah, I just bought a Cosmotron actually last week. It's sitting right here, like about five feet from me. I saw, th- nice. I saw that you bought that. That's freaking awesome. I mean, it, yeah. it's a cool game. I think they've had a they've had a slow ramp up. I really hope that we can help other people see this as a fun competitive game, and they continue to work on it, which is something that I think is unheard of. What I like about that specific game is that they put a lot of time in the design of it, so it looks kind of badass when you look at it. Sure. And I think that it's really sleek looking, and I think people will play it because of that. My concern really is all the tagging and, and like, you know, putting stickers on it and uh, all that kind of stuff. It's a huge white surface, right? did Did you get a Woody or did you get a fiberglass one? A fiberglass one. Oh, that's so and sexy. Talking about a Woody, somebody might draw a Woody on the side of it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but, dude, those fiberglass cabinets are fucking sick. I'm sorry. They're sexy as hell. I mean, they are. They're yeah, really, really cool. Ah. They are badass. Uh, so, uh, Black Emperor, also by Bumblebee. Have you? Do you have one of those? No, man. Some of those indie games, like, we've had a lot of people approach us and, and pitch them to us. Uh, we've kind of been a little slow on jumping on those things. Sure. Uh, the only other one that we've purchased is what's it called? Um, it's like a vertical, it's like a side shooter. Um, I forgot the name. Of oh, it. I know the one you're talking about. Sky yeah, cursor. Aaron, Sky cursor. There you go. Sky cursor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You don't have killer queen. No, we don't have that. What? Actually, I've been trying to get one for the last few weeks and you know, they were going for about 10 grand from uh Roth Thrills. Really? And then Rothrills uh, dropped it. So now to buy them from the original company, they're $15,000. Are you kidding me? So Bumblebear wow. is selling direct now. Oh, that's interesting. But that's a lot of damn money. You tell you know what? You call them up and tell them you're going to pay ten grand. That's all you're paying. 
I bet you. I bet you this. I guarantee you, they will sell you two of them. No, it's. I mean, those like, are funny cabinets though, because like I know with um, the guys locally, like, is, there's locations where they take off. People wait outside the bar here in Minneapolis to play that. Yeah, I mean it's never not busy. That game is freaking never not busy. But then if you go down to Des Moines, nobody plays. Oh, yeah, but you got to have it hooked up. It's got to be on the network. It's got to be doing its thing. You know what I mean? Like it, that game. So Killer Queen for those that are listening that have never heard of it, it's kind of a joust. Uh, how would you guys describe it? it 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 has origins in Joust, but it's a yeah, team it's play like game. Right. <coughs> Excuse me, five <coughs> Christ, five people I'm on a machine. <laughs> I'm gonna freaking die. So on the show, that'd be great. <coughs> so <laughs> five five people per console. Is that is that what I remember? It's two teams of five. Yeah, yeah like competitively. Mm. It is the most chaotic and brilliant, and there are multiple objectives in the game. I'm telling you. As far as like modern games uh, exuding sort of a the soul of the classic game, Pod. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that Star Wars Battle Pod is not an example of that. Yes, but, I would no, have to have that no, in my room. no. <laughs> I'm going to throw open my mouth a little bit, not just because I'm choking on my own vomit, <clears throat> but seriously, uh, it is a really cool 2D platforming. Uh, game and I and I I'm not I'm not, I'm not just, I'm just I don't play it that often but when I go there people I watch people and they're like hey jump in I'm like yeah but I suck you know and they're like they don't care they want you to play I think it's super fun so well let me tell you something one of my friends here uh, his name is Andrew he he um, runs a place called Mile High Arcade yeah and that particular dude has a pretty big location here. I think it's called the Punch Bowl Social or something like that. <laughs> and he had a killer queen there. Punch and, Bowl Social, uh, man, though. That, that's a... It, it didn't do squat, yeah. so he had to pull it. That's a money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's been funny about some of these indies. And, you know, it's, and that's what I was asking about them at the, at the one-up is it seems like there's some locations. With you having three locations, I know the, the local guys, they're kind of spread out between Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. There aren't multiple bars in one place, but um, how these do in local locations, because it is very dependent on where you are. Um, and they've pulled them out of some places just because they don't do well when it's the same kind of bar, same theme and same everything just location wise. But it, it is a game where literally Sunday mornings you go down to uh, uh, uptown in Minneapolis and there will be people waiting outside the bar to play on a Sunday morning and then, like four or five blocks away, another bar just bought a cabinet because it's that popular. So, right, it's crazy. And it Anyways. is, and it has to be regional. I love the fact that you can rotate games and try things out in different regions in your own town. How far apart are your arcades? So, uh, the Lodo location and the Colfax is like only two to three miles. Yeah, that I was just saying I could run to the. I ran to the other one. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, there, and then the new location is about twenty minutes from those. Still not bad. You could get you could all three in a night. Yeah, that's true. And dude, like I have a coworker who lives uh, in Denver part time because his uh, fiance is up here in Minneapolis. Um, long story, but anyway, he travels back and forth between Denver and here, Aurora area. And he loves your arcade. 
and he loves both locations and he can go between them just getting a lift or an uber you know yeah yeah it you know it's pretty popular man i think last year the year before we got something like the top 10 places uh to go to in denver or something like that that's so cool that's so cool you got to be very proud of that yeah my favorite thing is the. (laughs) i'm proud (laughs) <laughs> what, what a weird spot so hey th- my favorite let me let me i'm sorry i keep like uh jumping in and trying to take over the thing but the ring of fire burger is my favorite burger <laughs> do you have anything to do with these by the way they changed it like they made it like they pussified it let me be honest with you. Oh it used to be like super hot and then, and then they made it like not not as hot well who did that let's i, I, I need to talk to him yeah, so it's actually Jordan, the one who, who thinks of all these different things to do. Ah. And uh, he used to actually, you know, uh, manage a few restaurants and stuff like that. So he knows a lot about restaurants and food and all that kind of stuff. I ended up doing a lot of the taste tests and all that stuff, man. And believe me, I was I was regretting some of that stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I want I love the first time I got it. I was like dying. And then the second time they changed the recipe. So <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, kudos to, to Jordan. What would you say? Yeah. All right, I have a question. I want to go back in time just a little bit. <laughs> Let's go back in time just a little bit. Um, so we have a question that we ask all of our guests uh, who are in the arcade collecting community. And it's basically, what's your arcade origin story? And you kind of told us a little bit. But what I'd like to know is, what is your earliest memory of playing a video game? And how did you get hooked on them? And how did it lead you to where we've been talking about today? All right. That's a good question, man. So I'll tell you how I know exactly how it went down. So uh, I had about 10 aunts and uncles, and they were all about, you know, five years older than me to like, you know, 30 years older than me. Sure. And um, when I was a kid, we had they had an Atari Pong, a home version of that. That's what I had. That's what I had, dude. (laughs) And they used to play each other quite a bit and they wouldn't let us play. You know, oh, all we can do is watch. Are you serious? Yeah. So then, what a uh, bunch of dicks. <laughs> after some time, what happened was they would walk away, and then my brother and I would sit there and play against each other. And then one of my uncles came back, and he was like, he kicked my brother off, and he said, "Let's play." And so when I kicked his ass, he yelled out to the rest of my uncles, and they all came running back again, and they all started trying to play me, and I started whooping all their asses. Meanwhile, I was like <laughs> six years old, something like that, right? <laughs> and then uh, around that time, uh, some of my younger uncles started to date. Uh, they would take me and my brother along to the arcades with them. So we used to go to the electromechanical-type arcades, you know, Sweet. and, and uh, we spent a lot of time there, actually. And, so, um, so give us a picture of some of the games. What do you remember? The seventies type games. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the old seventies, like gun games and stuff like that. You know. And you, the, okay, let me ask you. I'm gonna interject. Do you remember like like a shooting game with like a screen where you like it was like a like the. Was it Ninja something? Yeah. Is that the one you were? I don't remember, but like all those old 70s games, they had like gal- shooting gallery games that were around. Love those guys. Like video, you know, and then, then you had all the pinball machines were like ding, da, 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 ding, ding. So that's what you're talking about, right? Right. That's exactly what, yeah. Uh, it was a lot of that kind of stuff. But you know what was neat about those early games like that is that um, they, took, they, did, they did the best they could with what they had. For sure. So they would have like neon lights and bright colors in there and, you know, things it, jumping around and stuff yeah. like that. It was pretty neat. Eight track tapes. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And, and then soon after that, right, like Space Invaders and all that kind of stuff started oh, coming yeah. out. And it yeah. was kind of like mesmerizing. I remember walking into the arcade and just pitch black and just seeing like 30, 40 games. Just that's all you could see the marquee, the screen. And mm-hmm. that's it, right? And I would walk in there, and I would just be blown away. I had I, never seen something like that, and I loved it. I think Paul Saarinen was the first person to tell us. Maybe it was, I think it was him. But he was telling us about the first time he approached a Donkey Kong machine. I think this was him. Maybe it was somebody else. But anyway, the, the, you know, that particular machine had the the smoked plexi, you know, vertical uh, yes. mask. And so it looked literally like Donkey Kong was being displayed with magic. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, like, I mean, tr- I feel like, uh, the Tron disc of Tron is also sort of magical even today. Right. Cause, cause there's so many layers inside of a disc. Yeah. I love, I love that. Uh, I love that aspect. So you're talking about that sort of aesthetic. So you definitely the, the mid seventies and the late seventies, you're like this, this is a place that I'm, I'm very fond of going because yeah. Everybody's having a good time, and this is magical. It it became something like, like, I I can't even explain it to you, really. It became a thing for my brother and I, basically. We started watching that Starcade show, you know? (laughs) And and we subscribed to all those, um, what was it called? Electronic Games Magazine. Sure, Uh, yeah. And all we would do was talk about games at school, and then we would walk to the arcade afterwards. There was a uh, Aladdin's Castle down the road from us. Oh yeah, dude! And, I, I gotta and, get you. Uh, I remember, like for example, when they got Tron in, and they unboxed it. They said it right in the front with a sign that said "new" on it, and my brother and I did circles around it like four or five times before we actually put a quarter in it. Cause it was so amazing. It like a cool black game. lights and the side art and stuff like that. It was really exciting to us. So, um, whenever I realized I could actually start buying those games, I can't even explain to you. It was like the biggest thing in my life. By the way, we had uh, a roving manager from Aladdin's castle on the show. You should look for that episode and also, uh, find the Facebook group group. They would love to hear your story. Uh, and and he's one of the the admins on that too. I'll tell you a funny story about Donkey Kong. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to uh, Chuck E. Cheese when they first opened. I'm talking like I'm not even sure what year it was, but it was like super early, right? And um, Chuck E. Cheese was walking around, and my brother and I ran out of money. And for the first time ever, I saw the back of a Donkey Kong open. And in my head, I had no idea what was in there. Right? I had. <laughs> I basically. I I can't even like think of what I was thinking was in that machine. But I looked inside and I saw the glow of the monitor neck and I saw wires hanging down and a bunch of things like that. And I told my brother I was going to reach through and grab a fistful of tokens. Right. So uh, my brother was, I told, I told him to keep an eye out for me. So uh, he's like, okay. So I reached through, didn't want to touch any wires. And when I realized I touched the front, uh, I put my hand down and I realized that Donkey Kong had like a box and I couldn't even grab tokens out of it. And, uh, but I found the button that gives free credits, right? Uh. And, and I the sound that it made. Yes. So I just kept pushing the button as many times as I could. All of a sudden, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I was like, oh, shit. I turned around and Chucky, Chucky himself was staring at me. Oh, my God. And uh, I put his finger up and went... 
uh-uh, like that. And I seriously crapped myself, right? And uh, Chucky reached into his pouch and handed me like $5 worth of money. What a mouse. God, you gotta <laughs> love that guy. But he was a rat back then. My, my Chuck E. Cheese was a rat. Just say it. And I'm proud of it. So, there, uh, so we have a couple of people in the chat that want to ask a couple of questions. Uh, Paul says, one game in your collection you will never sell. You know, um, there's a game that my wife kind of makes fun of me about. Um, it's Puyen, right? And I bought that Puyen uh, when literally the day that my second daughter was born. And the shipping company called me up, and I was at the hospital. And the next day, I, I took off and went to go pick up the Puyan. And then I came back to the hospital. To this day, my wife says that that game was more important to me <laughs> than, than my kid. <laughs> the funny thing is, is and she mentions that in the Channel 9 interview, by the way. But in, in, I didn't know which game it is, but now I do. So the, the funny thing is, is that is that is not like the first choice for me. Like, Puyan is, is fun. But but it, you know it's not about the gameplay for me. A lot of this stuff has a lot of nostalgia behind it, yeah, right? Sure, sure. Where, where were you when you when you pooyan the first time? Yeah, yeah. So that's it. So, <laughs> so my brother. Well, he was in front of Chuck E. Cheese, and then he <laughs> pooyaned right in front of him. <laughs> and, and, right and Chuck E. Cheese oh. caught him. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time we were living in Tahoe, and there used to be a Chuck E. Cheese in Sacramento that we used to go to whenever we go to the Bay Area, and we used to play pooyan there. But what was important to uh, for us was that uh, we liked the game so much that we bought it for the Commodore sixty four. And uh, we played a lot of Puyan on the C64. And just the memory of hanging out with my brother and enjoying the game. And just, it was the first game that we seeked out that we found first on a TV show, which was that Starcade. And then we seeked it out and finally found it. And that was in that in that Chuck E. Cheese. That's why it was important to me. Very wow. cool. What's hey, the, uh, oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead, Brian. I was going to say, what is the kind of, um, there are some questions about uh, our uh, warehouse raids and things like that, but I guess what is the most uh, surprising game or kind of like, I mean, you mentioned this was one that you would never sell. Obviously very exciting, but what's, you got a story about like the most exciting find you had where you kind of found something you didn't think you would or. Uh, you mean, uh, are you talking about a specific game or have I ever had a, like, like that situation happen? Either, either a specific game or a collection of games or you walked into a warehouse and I mean, just. What's the most exciting find or either by a group of games or a specific game that you've had? You know, the most exciting, I guess, would be um, when we went to uh, a warehouse in, in um, what was it, in West Virginia. Uh, we actually we went to pick up a... T- so we, we were living in Florida and we drove all the way to West Virginia to pick up a Tempest. Okay. <laughs> and um, on the way back, we stopped at a donut shop and my friend Jason... Uh, we had a little list. So um, we had a list of all the old arcade operators from the 70s and 80s. Uh, we had probably a few thousand people on that list. And every time we would stop to get gas, my friend Jason would be like, okay, we're in South Carolina or whatever it was. Let me, let me give this place a call, right? And what happened was when we were at that donut shop, he called this random number and they were like, yeah, you know what? We have a huge building full of games. So instead of driving back down to Florida, we drove over to that warehouse. It was just like a mile or two from where we were at. And when we went 
when we went in there, they had like 5,000 arcade games, uh, maybe even more than that. And um, the guy said to us, we could take whatever we want for 50 bucks. So we just sat there and picked up like, you know, Missile Command cockpits, like um, Star Wars, uh, Durham old games, like anything you can think of was untouched for like 20 years there. And um, we were picking them up for nothing. It was really exciting. I remember like telling Jason, I was like, you know what, dude, if I had a sleeping bag, I'll just sleep here. Cause it was like so exciting. For us, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but by the way, they got wow. sick of us after us going there so many times, they just didn't want us around anymore, you know, but, uh, <laughs> they start creeping the price up. It's now $200 they, a game. <laughs> yeah. In the end, it was 300 bucks a game. <laughs> and it was interesting though, man, because I think they thought we were just going to hit them once and go away. All of a sudden it was like a monthly thing. We would drive all the way up there with the <laughs> truck and just fill it up. You got a taste of a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was actually pretty awesome. So we found like a lot of sweet games there, but you know what, man, I've been pretty lucky. Like because of the fact that I got into it really early and I was pretty aggressive by the time I moved out in 2006 from Florida, I personally had found like 23 warehouses. You had a, I mean, you shared your lists a little while ago, didn't you? You kind of posted up some of the operator lists and you were nice enough to kind of let those out there so that people who are local could start looking up some of those names. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I'm surprised you saw that. Yeah. I, I posted the original PDF actually. And it was like, I think a couple of thousand warehouses. Yeah. And, and you know, the way it works, man is nowadays what a lot of people do is they just have like a feed that tells you what's popping up on Craigslist or whatever. But I found that like, um, digging in and talking to people and really networking that's really where you find games um this about a year and a half ago i ended up finding like um some pretty like a really nice stash of games and people keep talking about how there's no more warehouses and all this stuff i mean i found three or four in the last two years yeah so so they still happen and what i do is you know uh i found this lady that had a bunch of games i talked to her then I find out who she bought them from, and then I talk to them, and it just keeps. I follow a trail until I find like the main source where these games come from. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've had like two or three. It's kind of funny. I mean, I've had two or three patients. Actually, I had a patient yesterday who um, found out somehow that I collect games, and uh, you know, before the end of the appointment, he's going, "So can you fix this game?" And my buddy's got a garage <laughs> of games, and it's funny where the stuff just comes up. Yeah, man, it happens a lot. I've had people actually like follow me to the gas station and be like, Hey, is that a Cuban in the back of your truck? And I'm like, yep. They'll be like, well, you know, I have 20 of them in my garage. You or, they'll what? Say, or, or they'll be like, Hey man, um, I know a dude who has a whole warehouse full of them. And then, uh, the, that kind of stuff happens. So it's like, you, know, you, you can't just say, you know, things aren't out there. There's plenty of stuff out there, not like before, but there's still stuff out there. Right. Hey, you just posted a nice find today, didn't you? I saw yeah, something goes. Uh, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it happens, man. Like, actually, man, that particular thing is a little bit different. What happened was um, Hyperspace, which is a, a pretty big arcade here in, in Denver. Uh, they're going to be relocating to uh, Las Vegas, and what they're doing is she's going to try to sell off a lot of her stock because she doesn't want to take everything with her. So she figured she could sell off most of the easy stuff to get and she could start fresh over there. Yep. And she's been offering me a lot of pieces. So I've been picking up a lot of the, like the more rare pieces that I'm interested nice. in. Nice. Are we nice. talking about Xyla stuff? Yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah. So that particular game is it, it, I got, I got from Xyla. I want to know this Xyla. <laughs> <laughs> 
She sounds so, important. So Brian, who may still be in the ta- in the uh, chat here, said to ask about the gas in the diesel tank story. No, <laughs> right, Brian Jones asked that. <laughs> yeah, that story's a little bit weird, man. What happened was um, uh, Brian and I were driving up to an auction uh, through from Florida through Atlanta. We were going somewhere. Man, you know how um, British Petroleum BP, their pump is like green, and yeah, then, yes. um, everybody else's green is diesel? Yep. Sure. And so what happened was when I pulled up, um, I was putting the green pump you know, it, it, into the vehicle, and then when it came to that one, I just grabbed the green pump and filled it up. So I filled it up with, <laughs> uh, with unleaded instead of diesel. Oh, that's mm. not good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was horrible, man, because you could burn up the motor or something like that. So, um, so the reason why Brian wants me to mention it is because of what I did. I ended up going to Burger King and taking a hose from their front yard and then I cut it off and I stuck it into the actual um, tank and I siphoned all the gas out of it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> did you have to start it like yourself? Like, like suck out the, through the water hose? Yeah, it? that's what I did. Oh yeah. my God. You're a brave man. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was I drove out to this like like wet field and I just siphoned it and just poured it into this field, right? And Brian's <laughs> like, dude, he was like, what the f are you doing? And I was like, I was like, what do you want me to do, man? I was like, we're gonna get stuck out here. I'm gonna end up messing up this truck. So I siphoned it and I filled up like a whole field full of gasoline. And then he's like. Um, he's gonna leave it like that. I was like, Do you want me to throw a match on it? I was like, <laughs> I was like, Let's just get the F out of here before something goes wrong. Right? <laughs> he, he says, A half hour later, you ran over a golden retriever. That was a different time. <laughs> oh, no. We were driving back, we were driving back from uh, from an auction in North Carolina or something like that. And it was midnight or something. And we were driving down the mountain going into Atlanta. And we were going like 90 miles an hour. And, uh, yeah, Golden Retriever jumped out right in front of us. And uh, we nailed it. Oh, well. <laughs> Way to I ruin mean, the that's, show now. That's, that's the story. <laughs> yeah. Way to ruin the show. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brian. Brian brought that one. I guess I'll take blame for it. But Paul actually brought up another good question. Paul's like hammering the chat with questions. Is there a game that you uh, have always wanted but never had? You know what, man? No, not really. Because um, <laughs> because uh, he has them all. Yeah, I've picked, <laughs> picked up every game I've wanted, I think. Um, I can't think of one that I haven't, to be honest have with you. Ever, have you ever gotten a Nintendo Hellfire? Nintendo <laughs> Hellfire? Um, I, only a cocktail version. Interesting. Oh, listen, he's got a cocktail right. version. <laughs> yeah, no, man, I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, um, I was pretty aggressive about collecting since the 90s, right? So what yep. happens is anything that I was wanting, I, I already grabbed probably a few times. Right. You know, sure. and so here's, here's the stupid part. I'm so excited about finding stuff. So even though it's like my fifth major <laughs> havoc, I'm so excited about finding it. You know? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm hanging up right now. I'm hanging up. <laughs> this is you not this is, major havoc. Listen. Hey, I just picked up a major havoc board yesterday, so I'll be able to finish mine off. Oh, you guys are pissing me. <laughs> <laughs> the show was good until Major Havoc was brought up. Wow. Now, now I'm an unhappy person. <laughs> yeah, but uh, realistically, man, I can't think of anything. Just recently, I said to myself, I wanted to pick up a four-player gauntlet, and I picked one up, and I was pretty excited about that. 
So realistically, man, I've picked up everything a few times. So do you like do you network with like Doc or uh, Doc Mack over in Chicago? Do you network with him? Uh, I've talked to him a few times. You know, I ask him questions and stuff like that, too. Like um, I'll send him a message here and there uh, asking him about how his games do or what he thinks about a specific game and stuff like that. Um, I've sold a lot of games to Grinkers, actually. And oh, uh, nice. what's, the, what's that other place called? Um the, that museum in Banning, um, I've sold those guys a lot of games as well. Here's the thing, man. I kind of like to specialize in, in stuff, so I specialize in the harder stuff to find, the sort of wear pieces and stuff. So, See, I always thought that that's where Exited came from, but I learned tonight that that's not true. <laughs> so um, are there Exited games that you love and Exited games that you hate? You know, for the most part, I like it. I just said this to, to somebody just the other day. I said, you know, I, I have a hard time finding a game I don't like. I could find something that I like in just about every game, you know, and it's like with Exidy stuff, I don't think the Exidy games are all that great. I do like the gun games, you know, I think those are great. I think Cheyenne and all those games are amazing, actually. Chiller. Um, yeah, Chiller's great. I think <laughs> Crossbow's amazing. I also like games like Venture and Pepper 2. Yeah, Ven- you know? I love Venture. Oh. Yeah, Mousetrap. I love Mousetrap. My my <laughs> wife is looking for a chiller. Just uh, just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know I have a chiller actually, and um, so have her contact me. Maybe I'll sell. Okay, some. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll have her Sweet. send you some pictures. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, but you know Mousetrap. I'll tell you a funny story about Mousetrap. Do you guys know who Todd Rogers is? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we were at a. Um, classic gaming convention in Las Vegas and Todd Rogers was up on this uh, stand and there was probably a crowd of a few hundred people and Todd, Ro- Todd Rogers was boasting about he could kick everybody's ass at any game at any time. Nice. And I thought it was pretty funny because I actually like Todd Rogers, by the way. I thought I, thought, I, thought, I love that type of an attitude. We had him on our show. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, like bring it on. I love that type of attitude, right? So um, he's like, anybody want to play me? I mean, after his little speech, everybody was crapping their pants, right? So um, I yelled out, you know, I'll kick your ass. And he was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what game? And I said, what game are you horrible at? And he said, he looked at the, the game line and he said, Mousetrap. Really? And I said, well, I'll kick your ass at Mousetrap. Let's play it. Nice. <laughs> so when we went over there. Well, we went over there. I whooped his ass so bad it wasn't even funny, right? <laughs> that game. That game is hard. It is not an easy game. It well, here's crazy. the thing, though, man. If you're just trying to get points, don't beat the level. Just pick right. up all the little prize things, right? Right. That's all you do. So he was trying to beat the levels. All I was doing was picking up the little prize things. <laughs> and before you know it, I whooped his ass really bad. He whispers to me, "He's like, you know what, man? You suck." <laughs> 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 he's like, hey, Toddzilla, man. He's Toddzilla. <laughs> sounds like Todd. I actually still have. He had, he had to take a picture with me, and he signed one of those Billy Mitchell hot sauces, right? And then I got like a fifty dollars voucher or something like that, and I still have it just because of that, the memory of that. Nice. nice. I just want to say Billy Mitchell's hot sauce, the Ricky's hot sauces. Sure, it's like Louisiana hot sauce, pretty much. But I think I yeah. like it. It's it got a different flavor. It's good. Just, just yeah, saying. Like, I'm just saying I like it. <laughs> you know, you know Billy Mitchell. Actually, um, I don't speak to him often, but last time I saw him, I said to him, "Hey, man, whenever I sell a game, I want to give out a Billy Mitchell hot sauce." And he's like, "Give me your address." So I gave him my address. He sent me a whole pallet of it for free. Oh, damn! I, we were actually trying to uh, get him to put him in little, uh, 
like little like ketchup type packets at one point, which I guess is really hard to do with the hot sauces because of the preservation of them or how they're preserved mm-hmm. because we were going to send them out with all the orders. We thought it'd be awesome to just throw them in because we used to throw Hawaiian chocolates in the orders from Paradise. Yeah, and since we did. moved back from Hawaii, it's harder yeah, for us to get the chocolate. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so we we thought about doing that at one point and talked to him about it, and he kind of looked at us and told us that there was way too much involved. <laughs> he pretty much said no. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, thank you. inside of a Ziploc bag. You'll be fine. <laughs> I will say, if you're going to order Ricky's hot sauce, don't get it on Amazon. Buy it direct and buy it by the case because you'll save a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys had Billy Mitchell on the show? Uh, n- no. No. No, we haven't. That's right. We've tried. No, we haven't tried. A little bit. No, we haven't tried. <laughs> one. Season one. You, 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 like, think back. We have not tried. We have not asked. Uh, so, I'm not going to argue. Well, uh, like, I run this show. I know whether or not I've asked anybody to be on it. We did not ask Billy to be on it. Okay. We, 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 generally, we generally try Adam, to avoid Adam's, uh, issues of conflict. And uh, recently, there's been a, a lot of conflict. Issues of conflict? What are you talking about? No, no, no. This was at the beginning in season one. You were trying to get Billy. You just seem to have forgotten that. So No, I, I didn't try to get him. I said it would be nice to have him at some point. I tried okay. to get him on the show. In fact, I met him. Listen, listen, this is not this is this is about John. This is not about Billy. I hate it when it becomes about Billy. When it becomes about Billy, I get what timeline am I in right now? That's all I want to know. Hold on, I have another John question. Good. The longest time. Longest time it took you to close a deal on something. Longest time. I, there was a lady recently. Um, uh, this is a pretty cool story, actually. This lady calls me up and says, A pretty cool hey, story. Listen, I have a bunch of games that my parents gave me when I was 12, uh, back in 82. And none of them work, but, so I want to get rid of them now. And I said to her, well, give me a list. So she, she starts reading them off, right? She says, Zector. Um, she says Tempest, she says Monster Bash. Wow. Every title was super badass. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I actually grabbed my phone and I stared at it for a few seconds and I was like, is this a prank call? Like, is this, <laughs> is this for real? And then I said, hey, wait a second. Can you list off those games again? Zector, Monster Bash. And I was like, what the heck? And I was like, um, yeah, I'm interested in buying those games from you. She said, well, I just wanted to call you up. You're actually the third one in line. I called two other people first, and uh, if they say no, then 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 you can have you know f- dibs on it. And I was like, "What did you even call me then?" And she's like, "Well, I was just checking around." I go, "You understand? I have money. I have a truck. I have a friend with a doll and a dolly." I was like, "I could show up like in an hour, and we can make this deal happen." She said, "Oh no, I'm gonna wait for the other two first. Uh. And I was like, "Okay." So like two weeks go by and I was thinking about it. I called her back and I said, Hey, listen, um, you still have the game. She's like, yeah, nobody's called me back. And I said, well, can I come by and take a look at them? She said, Nope. Uh, I'm going to Alaska for a month. Uh, when I come back, give me a ring, uh, around a month. <laughs> so she left a month and a half later. I had totally forgot about her. I called her a month and a half later and her daughter answered the phone and she said, you know what? My mom and dad loved Alaska so much. They stayed for another month or two. Right. And I was like, what the heck? So I basically waited three months, called them back. And she says to me, you know, I'm still waiting for the other people to call. And I was like, listen, I don't understand why you're waiting for them. I have the money. I have 
you know, a vehicle. Yeah. I don't understand what you're waiting for. She's like, okay, fine. Come by and take a look at them. So I drove over there, took a look at them, and it was true. She had all the games that she had the manuals for them. Everything looked like it was brand new condition, but nothing worked. So I said to myself, uh, I'm going to make her a high offer because I don't want her to call the other people up afterwards and tell them that I offered them that much. Why don't they pay her more or something like that, right? Makes sense. So I gave her kind of like a really high price. I mean, high for all dead shit, right? (laughs) But I was like, you know, here's, here's my offer. And I was expecting her to say yes, no, or maybe, you know, kick it up 500 bucks or something like that. She goes, thanks for the offer. I'll give you a call sometime. uh, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Right. I was there with, I was there with Dwayne Richard actually. And um, uh, so I ended up leaving, went back to the one up and I was seriously cursing up a storm. I was like, F this woman. I can't believe this crap. This this is bullshit. You know, all this type of stuff. I was throwing a temper tantrum and my friend and Dwayne's like, what if she calls you back? I go, if she calls me back, I'm going to tell her to, you know, jump off a bridge. I was like, I I, I was throwing, I I was going off. Right phone rings like one minute later <laughs> she goes you know what if you could um throw out throw in an, an extra 300 bucks um i'll throw in another game i didn't tell you about and we have a deal and i was like i'll be there in 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh, i got i got in my car in my truck with Dwayne richard we drove over there and the first game i pulled out was the zector because i know the way deals go and sometimes Things just don't work out. So I figure I always get the best stuff first because if something goes bad, I already have the games in my truck. Right. Nice. So what was the extra one she threw in? It was, um, it was a shuffleboard or something like that, which was ended up being a mistake because it was huge. It was like eight foot long or something like that. (laughs) So so I had to go back for it the next day. I almost thought about not going back, but I was like, eh, you know, deal's a deal. I wouldn't picked it up and had to just unload it. Nice. It's funny right. you get these. I mean, you get these people who have the games, and they I mean they're not in the hobby. And so to them, it's just a transaction. You <laughs> right. know, to us, it's like this: like you're salivating, chomping at the bit. Like, come on, you know what's going on? You get all upset when they're not calling you back. I know right. around here we've had people where, you know, I've called a guy, and he's like, "Well, I'm not home. Can I get back to you?" I'm like, "You don't understand. Like, you have put out like chum in the water." <laughs> and this is like, I'm the first fish to bite. Like, let's go here, buddy. I want this. I want this bait. Yeah. I, I've had some really weird experiences, man. Ever since this whole Craigslist thing kind of took off, I've, I've been to people's homes to pick up a game. And then there'll be somebody else on the phone saying stuff like, you know, your game's too cheap. And I'll be like, like, why, why are you trying to shit, you know, shit in my cereal bowl or whatever? That's, that's, like, I can't believe that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if the guy lists the game, let's just say it, it was a Donkey Kong that this happened to, actually. Sure. The guy listed the Donkey Kong for 500 and I thought it was a fair deal. So I went over there to pick it up. And while I was there, some other collector was telling them that they were selling it too cheap. And, uh, and I was like, listen, dude, I'm already here. You said 500 bucks. Here's my 500 bucks. You know, I was like, you know, deal's a deal now. And the guy's like, fine. But I've had that kind of stuff happening more often, you know, as the years progress. I, you know, it's funny because you say that because we just uh, bought a high speed for $500. And I get there, look at it. The lady's like trying to turn it on and do stuff. Her phone is going off and I know what's happening on the phone. Right. And so I'm like trying, I'm like, I don't need to see it work. Here's $500. She's like, well, let me do this. And she's, well, it's not coining up. I'm like, here's the, just take the $500. 
I, I, I'll take the gay. And it was hilarious. So I, my buddy and I, my buddy is visiting from California. We get the legs off the machine, start carrying it up the stairs, get halfway up the stairs. And she's like, there's somebody tells me I should be selling this for $1,200. And I look <laughs> at her with this pinball machine halfway up her basement. I'm like, no, <laughs> we just kept going to the truck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know what, man? I mean, that kind of stuff happens a lot. To be honest with you, I'm not so aggressive anymore. Like, um, now that we have our three locations and I have my collection, I'm not really, like, so actively looking for stuff. Uh, every once in a while, you know, like, I, I picked up that Beavis and Butthead a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was cool. And, and then uh, and then this this uh, Star Wars. So I'm not, like, hunting aggressively anymore because I'm kind of already set. But um, but back in the day, I mean, um, when we were out there doing this, it was kind of like the Wild West. Like nobody really even gave a crap. You know, it's like sure. That's why I did the price guide, by the way. The the, the price guide story is pretty interesting because um, when I lived in Florida, I went to this lady's house and she had a trailer home full of arcade games. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie to you when I say this. Every game looked worse than the previous game, right? It looked like somebody had dropped them, dragged them behind their vehicle. It had rained on them. Uh, glass was missing off of them. You know, um, uh, sw- all swollen. Uh, they were just basically junk, right? Swollen. And I ended up uh, looking at a millipede. And for some weird reason, in Florida, I had a really hard time finding a millipede. So when I saw this millipede, I was excited about it, but it had like broken corners. The tinted glass was missing. It didn't even work. And I said to her, hey, how much do you want for this millipede? She said, "Uh, I see this sell on eBay for 800. So I want 800. And I said to her, look, the one on eBay is really nice. It has nice uh, side art. It's not swollen. It has nice corners on it i said it's, this is missing this is missing the glass right she's like i don't know what you're saying i want 800 bucks <laughs> and i was like crap this is like this is this is and so i left i went you know I, I ended up going home and i was mad about it so i was like i'm gonna start this stupid um uh, price guide and just put prices of stuff that i you know what i think the games are worth and what people are telling me that, that they're worth so I started making up this list, and I did it for free. You know, I just put I just put a list of games, sure, and prices, and the list was only like maybe fifty games at first. Yeah, and then I kept adding stuff and adding stuff, and then between me and you guys, I thought nobody was even looking at it. <laughs> and and um, I mean, it was just you know a stupid hobby site with this price guide on it. And sure. then um, you guys brought up Steve McDonald earlier. Uh, Steve McDonald came to my house, and he had a printout. Like an old printout on like this old like Apple II, you know, uh, dot, matrix, dot, matrix. dot matrix printout of it, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this? And he goes, this is a printout of your price guide. And I was like, <laughs> I was like so rough, 1983. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, man, I, you know, I live and die by this. And I was like, why? I go, it's just a stupid price guide. I go, my opinion. And it's like my opinion in my area. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he goes, no, man. Whenever I buy something, I look at your price guide. He goes, something pops up, I look at it. And I was like, what the hell? And then all of a sudden, people start emailing me. I mean, this is around, you know, after 2006, 2007, 2008. All of a sudden, people cared about it. And it was really interesting to me because, like I said, it was just kind of like, I figured I could go to that old to that lady's house and be like, look, your millipede, my price guide says it's only worth 400 you know? I, I have a, so I have a quick question for you. On the price guide, uh, what is the game that kind of most surprised you for how expensive it got? Because 
a lot of these games, like it's interesting watching them like creep up over time. But what's the one that kind of shocks you as to what it went up to? Well, you know, Quantum has always been super interesting to me. Um, back in the day, Quantum was like a thousand bucks, and then later on, it was like two, three thousand bucks. And I remember, like, um, after a while, people were telling me they were selling it for like five or six thousand. And the same thing with Dedicated Major Havocs, right? I remember when Dedicated Major Havoc was twenty five hundred bucks for the longest time. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it was fifty five hundred. Yeah. And I remember saying to myself, "Who's going to pay fifty five hundred for for an arcade machine?" And then people kept complaining to me, "Hey, man, they're going for more than that now." And I was like, I, I haven't seen it for myself. I don't know if it's true or not. You know, just because somebody says it's going for more doesn't mean it's going for more. You know, so then I started getting feedback from people that I trust. Hey, I just sold mine for eight thousand or whatever. So yeah. those things are, you know, that that kind of stuff is like hard to believe. Um, I'll tell you a story about about a quantum. Um, there was this guy. This guy, he was from Oregon. Um, his name was Arnold, and. He sold a baseball collection that he had for big bucks, right? Like a couple hundred thousand bucks or something like that. And he joined, I mean, he started getting into arcade collecting and he started picking up all the rarest stuff and paying top dollar for the stuff. So the guy called me up and said he wanted to buy a timber that I had. And he says, how much do you want for your timber? I said, you know what, man, my price guy says 800, but I said, mine is worth 2,200. And he said, how do you figure? I said, well, mine's number one, it's in mint condition, no swelling. I put a brand new monitor in it that cost me like, you know, four or 500 bucks or whatever it was. And I said, they don't make overlays or anything for this game. Mine is 2,200. So he said, "Mm -mm, uh, I don't want your game. Then I could buy one off of eBay for eight. And I said, well, have fun buying one for 800 bucks then. Yeah. Um, two months later, he called me back and said, you know what, man? Um, I'll pay you 2200 So I was thinking he's going to PayPal me. Then I was, I was just going to ship the game to him. What happened was he rented a truck and drove from Oregon all the way to Florida. And it took <laughs> him five days to get there. When the dude shows up, he sees my timber and goes, oh, my God, this timber's beautiful. Here's your 2200 for it. Oh. And he goes, but I'm not leaving without that quantum. Oh, my God. And I said to him, well, I'll tell you something funny. Oh. Uh, that quantum's not for sale. So he said, no, no, no. You didn't hear what I said. I'm not leaving without it. And I go, well, <laughs> you didn't hear what I said. It's not for sale, right? Huh? He goes, well, let's go out to lunch. We'll have a talk. And then um, <laughs> we'll see about that, right? Oh, my God. So, That's kind so of creepy. Got, <laughs> if Steve Murky's still in the chat, he's like, please sell me a timber. Do you have a timber? Yeah. So, so check us out. So we go out to lunch. I say no to him, right? Now it's dinner time. We go out to dinner. I still say no to him. Uh, now it's midnight. If you're out to dinner and you say no, no means no. That's all I got to say. Like you shouldn't have to do any more than that. I'm just telling you. So now it's midnight. And my wife was going to college to get like her nursing degree or something like that. And she's like exploding on me. Right. She's like, throw this guy out of the house. I go, hey, listen, he's not leaving. He's been here for 12 hours and he's not taking no for an answer. She goes, he better leave or I'm going to throw his ass out of here. And I was like, OK, let me go over there and have one last talk with him. So I went back to the front and I said, hey, Arnold, did you hear what I said? I'm not going to sell you this game. He goes, listen, I have a um, Robotron cocktail in my van right now 
it's worth at least 2000 bucks. Throw out any number you can think of, and I'll throw this robot chart on top of it. And I said, this is when quantums were going for like three, 4000 bucks, by the way, right? So I said, 6500 He goes, he just jumped up, walks out to his vehicle, came back with $100 bills, hands it to me, <laughs> unloads the Robotron, okay. grabs the quantum, runs out of my house, doesn't even say goodbye and just takes off. <laughs> All right, that is oh my god, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so and then, I th- oh, really? Okay, go ahead. So then um, he calls me like five minutes later, and he goes, "Hey man, sorry about that. I want to thank you for hooking me up with this game. The reason why I did that's because you've been a real pain in the ass to deal with, and I want to get the hell out before I before you change your mind." Oh my god! <laughs> and you're like, okay. Thanks for the sixty five hundred bucks. Wow! Holy crap! That's that's understandable. That is epic. If you go to uh, KLOV right now and look up Quantum, the actual picture of my machine is the one that's pictured there, and that's the one that he got. Wow! Wow! Well, you know what? I I hate because it's been so. And we've gotten way over. Time to wrap up. It's time to wrap up. It's time to wrap this up. John, uh, thank you for being on the show. Could you give us, uh, you know, you know, you got to plug your own arcade. Give us a little bit of that. So tell us where we can find your arcade, where we need to find your websites and all that stuff. Okay. So, yeah, just actually find us on Facebook. Just look up One Up Denver, One Up Lodo, One Up Greenwood Village, and One Up Colfax. Uh, Facebook's the best place and the easiest place to find us. Okay, that's cool. And I appreciate this interview, man. Thanks a lot. Dude, we appreciate being on the show. This is our honor, not your... I mean, this has been fantastic. Am I right, guys? Uh, it's been amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, and you got to be on again. Thank you're gonna you, have sir, your call. You guys take it easy. And, and stick around after the show because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just uh, we have a little wrap up we like to do. So uh, this has been the double R's. So thanks for listening, Arcade Radio, and we have switched from SoundCloud to Arcade. Well to anchor.fm so you can still find us on iTunes you can still find us on Google Play but we are now on anchor.fm check it out it's pretty cool that's right. on Facebook is that on Facebook yeah yeah where else where else can you find us arcaderadio.com facebook.com slash arcaderadio yeah and 612548 game which we right, mentioned earlier on the show which I don't care this is not really good <laughs> Mine just updated. Call and leave comments, as Adam just said. Follow us on Facebook, arcaderadio.com, Twitter, and arcade radio. Okay. <laughs> should we just close this thing out? We should close it out. We're done! I like this music. It's Make sure to like us on YouTube. It's a new exit song.
Chronic. 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 Chronic.